Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This has been a wacky week, but it's also going to be a wacky podcast for uh, Tuesday, February 27th, 2018. We're almost through February. Yeah, we are. He's also a Ferguson, and I'm a country of Pat, and we are in Castle Country. Someone out there said they hated it when I say that. It ain't going to stop anytime soon. We got a lot of stuff lined up. We got a lot of stuff lined up to talk about. We're going to be we're discussing... Uh, no, we're not going to be discussing Black Panther. We did that as an exclusive, so you missed that. you got to watch it on YouTube. But we'll be talking about uh, legislation to tax M-rated games. That sounds like a great idea. The ES- ESRB responding to uh, loot boxes and, uh, and in-game sales. A long-lost Donkey Kong game. Atari with another bad idea. Uh, Metal Gear Survive <laughs> <laughs> charges another week. Konami with more bad ideas. <laughs> Chrono Trigger on Steam. Uh, Patreon Q and A. The first uh, Ian irritable Ian rant will uh, be coming up as well. Mm-hmm. I- Ian, what's been going on? Has your week been as terrible as mine the past seven days? Uh, it's been it's been a Were pretty. You competing? It's pre- I'm, no, I'm not going to turn it into a pissing contest. My 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 week's been uh, it's been a pretty decent mixture of up and down. All right, mine was worse. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let you have the worst. <laughs> yeah. I'll let you have the worst week. Uh, no, my, mine overall ended up pretty good. Um, I mean, the the, the bad news uh, is that my my abs have been particularly shitty oh. again lately. Well, we have something that we we ordered something to, to help cure that though. Yeah, and I got it yesterday. Not a ball stretcher. Well, we don't know if it's going to cure it, and we're not okay. sure what's going to happen, but I'm excited to try it because it will be good for my back one way or another. Sure. But uh, ah! uh, we did order an inversion table for we, me. We ordered it together like we were like planning a wedding. It yeah, great. it was cute. And it arrived, uh, but I have not put it together yet. It showed up yesterday. See, here's the thing about Pat that people don't realize. They think I'm just a cold-hearted, you know, asshole which i am at times but sometimes 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 i care about people and i try to help them out yeah magnanimously you know like the adverb pat will never admit this but i think i'm one of the people pat cares about the most let's not get nuts yeah anyways (laughs) um so other than that um vani and i had a really nice day off yesterday uh went and finally bought her her bow um got her a nice bow. bow dallas yeah, Bo Dallas. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, a Nerf bow and arrow. Bow, bow, a real one. Yeah, a real one. And uh, she's like super excited. She's already looked at like the ranges. She's probably gonna go shoot tomorrow. And um, that's awesome. Olympics 2020. Uh, here we come. <laughs> we're yeah, gonna, she's it. been wanting to get back into it for like 15 years, and um, she's super stoked. She went out, got her arrows. How did she get into it? Like, like through day, high school. Day camp. High through, school had it through high school. Okay, in, in Mexico or 
Was it up here? Might have even been up here. Um, I've never heard of archery in high school. But I used to shoot too, just through like scouts and stuff like that. And because you were a boy scout, cub. Uh, well, uh, weeblow up through weeblows. Weeblows? Yes. Not weebo. Weeby loyal scouts. Uh, um, that was the. Speaking in of that, I just bought my Girl Scout cookies. The, the unhealthiest shit in the planet. I love the Girl I Scouts. I can't fuck. I gotta, I gotta find some in, in any supermarket. Yeah, they, they have a s'mores cookie now. Which, oh fucking a! It's it's like candy. So I yeah. usually buy four. I get four boxes for twenty bucks. You gotta do the, you gotta do the Samoas. I get like two tag-alongs. Samoas, taglongs, and uh, I don't I, do thin mints. I, I, I pass thin mints. I don't, I'm not a big fan of. I mean, okay, I can. Eat, I like them. They're overrated. They're not the best. I like them, but you can get a like reasonable the, uh, analog year round in the exactly. Keebler uh, grasshoppers. If you want to go th- that that route, even though they do taste a little different. But I like the shortbread, the the, the OG. Yeah, the OG cookie, the shortbread with the little Girl Scout. Those table. are great. Those are fantastic. And so are the lemon creams. Not a fan of the lemon ones. Mm. A little too sugary. Okay. A little bit too on the uh, diabetes side for me on, on those. It's all you don't need. The, you don't need the extra powdered sugar, in my opinion, on those. In my let, opinion. Let me I know quick, it's controversial. Let, let us know in the comments what your favorite Girl Scout cookie is. <laughs> Who's a fucking asshole? Well, you should like the lemon. I, I have a feeling we're going to get a lot of crap for saying we don't do Thin Mints. So. Uh, but that's like the hack I know, answer. I know. Answer. It is. Oh, you could freeze them. Did you know that? Oh, no, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> circling back around real quick. Um, but I used to always, I used to shoot two through my, uh, my uh, grandparents' hunt club. Um, at, a hunt, and, at a hunting club? It was called the Alabama Hunt Club in Alabama, Buffalo, New York. Man. But they, they, it wasn't like – it was a shooting range. Anyways, so after getting Vonnie all this stuff and seeing her get excited, I was like, maybe I want to go back to archery. So I was like, well, if she stays into it for about you know six months, I was like, I'm probably going to pick up a bow as well. Oh, it was fun. Did they cost like a hundred bucks for a decent one? Uh, about a hundred and fifty for a decent recurve. Okay, uh, not, a recurve is a style, not, not a composite bow. No, no, I have Those no interest in composite. Yeah, neither does like she. Eight hundred pounds of drawstring. Hunting is not the end result here. Just, okay. just target shooting. So, speaking of speaking of arrows, there was a great article about Brendan Fraser and what he's been up to. Oh, um, and it's pretty harrowing. About he was a pretty nice guy that got chewed up a little bit by Hollywood and there was a Me Too thing where he was sexually assaulted by someone uh-huh. and that kind of made him feel bad about that and that combined with um, him not landing the Superman Returns role back in like 2000, right. 2003 I think they were originally doing he was up for it and he felt, he felt worthless because he didn't get that part so like a combination of factors made him step away and plus there was a few movies he didn't make a good choice in doing some of those movies that he probably should have done yeah, but he so, makes like every movie he's like, fun yeah, he's the nicest guy. Like in the article, concerned, like he's like the fucking nicest guy. My and friend, my friend, just loves Brendan Fraser. Like collects his DVDs. So people were all getting on a sign though, that they said they want like the what do they call it? Fr- fr- set of Renaissance, like Fraserons or whatever they're uh-huh. trying to say. Like because he's now starring in these series again, and he's getting back out there in like in small roles. And he's only like he's only like forty seven or so. Yeah, he's so, not an old dude. Yeah, you because know, when he was big, when he was big in the mid nineties, big mid nineties, he was only like twenty five. Yeah, at the he time. was young, and he was and he was the biggest movie star on the planet. People forget for like a few years, he was gigantic, mm-hmm. um, or, or one of the biggest ones. But one of the things is that he gets he gets interviewed on. I guess he has like a, a ranch or a farm, and he gets frustrated about something. He, he and he says, "I gotta let some arrows fly." And he literally gets a gets a leather. Uh, with the, leather with the quills, like a, like what's a holder for the arrows? I don't know. Quills, quill holder, whatever. But uh, or um, quiver, 
It's a quiver. Quill's quiver. He goes outside and he, he fucking he hits two arrow bullseye by like seventy five yards. Boom, boom. It's like, oh, I feel better. He was frustrated with like, and then the Me Too thing comes out later. Uh, a- after that, and that was kind of unfortunate to hear that it affected him like that, and that settled derailed. It's it's f- fucked with many people's careers, but Brendan Fraser. It's like one of the guys you wouldn't expect that to happen to like that. That's and, sad. And uh, so, yeah, so that people, nice fucking guy. Hell, whenever, whenever Airheads is on, I have to watch some of it at least. And that movie's pretty fucking bad. But there's a charm to it yeah, with all the different there, characters. There is, yes. But it's a bad movie on its surface. You, know, you don't want to see that movie you know, unless you're like, okay, I'm in for some, for some weird tr- tr- treat. Speaking of movies, Ian, how did we not know that it was the 30th anniversary of Bloodsport? I did. How, how did how did my my uh, my blood sport badge to be ripped off my chest in, uh, in disgrace? I, I do have to say though, I only knew because February Jean Claude Van Damme announced it. He did. Yeah, he, is there going to be a director's cut? No, he just said it was yesterday. It's not like I knew that. Gonna, my I, how do I not follow him on Twitter? That's the that's that's a shame. That is problematic. That is pro that is problematic. <laughs> that was for Pat is problematic. <laughs> we had a conversation before about how I'm problematic. Um, so. Ian and I love Bloodsport, and I, I should have made this its own topic. We still had never had a Bloodsport topic, really, about the brilliance of that movie. But just, it's really, it made Van Damme a huge star. It wasn't his first movie, but his third movie. He had Black Eagle before that, and of course, he had No Retreat, No Surrender. And then he had a minor role in, like, a fucking electric. He had an uncredited role in Breaking 2. Turn off your screens, Avery. Mm. Oh, God. But anyway, so... Um, why is Bloodsport so great? Let me count the ways. It was it was a mainstay in terms of um. Uh-oh. That'll stop as soon as we load. It was a mainstay on TBS for years and years. It, it was shown a lot. Sure was. Also, I think it may even TNT, and it was one of those first violent movies you saw on TV um, as a child, and it was fun. Yeah, it, it was it was absolutely fun. Um. And I remember being shocked to see like then they cut out they they cut it out within a few years, but you see like the guy getting kneed in the face and his blood. And it, it's really an extremely overachieving movie for what it is. It should not have been as good as it was. No. On paper. And behind the scenes, Van Damme had a lot to, to do with that. He helped re edit the movie into something he basically helped salvage the movie. It's probably the time. It's probably the you best know, depiction money. of a martial arts tournament. Yeah, I mean, one of the better ones. It tries yeah. to show the behind-the-scenes aspects of it, which is not Lots exactly... Lots of different fighters and yeah. styles. And, and they, they they let that play out in a longer-form way than than most. You get to learn about other fighters and even kind of root for different fighters. You know who's going to end up in the end. But there's, there's, there's little... There's even side characters that show up. And I gave I showed Ian the, uh, the script, which I'm sure he's seen. But uh, oh, I'm sure he's read it for the third. No, he didn't read it yet. But the, even in the script, they did a good job establishing the different fighter types in the movie. Like, you know, the one guy, like the sumo guy, and you have the Brazilian fighter, Paradis, who in real life is Van Damme's friend. Who yeah, ends up Paco. Being, who ends up, not Paco. Oh, Paco's another one. I was just going to say, I, I'm just naming yeah, Paco, him. Yeah, Paco. Paco is fucking awesome. I saw Paco in a random movie one time. I went nuts. I love Paco. Uh, a Muay Thai fighter, and you didn't see that or know about that, especially in the late '80s. And it's just a great. Obviously, you have um, you have uh, Jackson's character played by what's his name from Revenge of the Nerds, and it, I should have the IMDb in front of me, and I don't. He's dead. What? That guy died. Jackson. 
He died? Yeah, Jackson's dead. Are you serious? Almost positive. No, Ian. Come on. Really? Look it up, man. I'm going to look it up. I'm looking it up right now. And, of course, you have the great Forrest Whitaker in a pivotal role. I love Forrest Whitaker. And this is Whitaker coming off of, like, Good Morning Vietnam and Platoon, by the way. You know, so it's like he, he does. he's doing all these heavy movies. And then he does blood sport right. at the same time just to get paid. Maybe he was hanging out after Platoon was finished. And he's like, oh, I'll just go up and just film it in Hong Kong real quick or wherever they right. actually filmed it. <laughs> it's, it's bizarre. What I love about Forrest Donald, Whitaker. Donald Gibb. Yeah. What I love about He's For- still alive. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, well, thank heavens. He's, he's, he's 60, 64. Oh. He's 64. Right? All right. Well, he's not. What are going to say about blood sport? Uh, Before we get we're off the rails here, can't remember. Roy Cha was Senzo Tanaka, who, if you've seen Japanese movies like, like, um, uh, Tora, 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 he's in that and a bunch of other ones. Mr. Uh, Lin is fantastic as their handler. Hensu is Mr. Lin. I'm Lin. I'm Lin. Yeah, Lin's the best. You Jackson? <laughs> you look like a Jackson. So go fucking read the script. Because there's a lot more with Duke's training and being friends with with, with, uh, the, with the Japanese kid. There's a kid. lot more. Yeah, there's a lot more. They so you can, you can tell how they had to cut it down and trim it down to make it make sense. Okay, that there's a lot more about the ninjutsu. That, stuff that's where out. you said the majority of the bulk of differences is right. The first like twenty twenty five hours. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, so uh, yeah, go watch Bloodsport. Here's the thirty thirtieth anniversary. I want to see a director's cut or something. I want. I would. Something. I, I want to see Van Damme do a commentary track. I don't think he's ever done a commentary track. On the, on the DVDs of Bare Bones one, I believe. Even. Yeah. So. I really should have listened to the soundtrack. Oh. Oh, you can. Well, you, it's online. You can get it. Oh, I've got the, the German release of the vinyl soundtrack. With the real Kumite, not the redone yeah, one. They yeah, yeah. The real original yeah, it's, Kumite. Yes, it's got the well, real one. One of the most overachieving um, scores of a film I think I've seen. It's a great a score. Great, for a cheesy 80s uh b-level canon films martial arts movie it's a almost i say near amazing score on my own well that's the yeah. soundtrack but the score the yeah, score oh, the score is great too the, and the, the best oh, the thing, score is fantastic the best thing about the soundtrack is that it has like the score and um the actual songs on it too like it's got both sure so here's the blood sport deserve to make more more money than black panther by the way black panther we we did a uh, impromptu uh, video recording, so we're not including it with this audio podcast. So if you hear, if you listen to the audio version, go on YouTube, type in "CU Podcast Black Panther," and we have a forty-minute conversation about it. Forty-three minutes. We went a little long on that. Forty-three, so, really? It was it was a lot. I felt like that was like Civil kind of... War was like twenty-something minutes. We talked about that. Yeah, Black Panther deserved it. It did. So, all right, we have legislation being proposed to. Tax M-rated video games, right? And this is in the wake of, of uh, a bunch of school shootings. The last one being uh, Parkland, Florida, where it was a, a seventeen, seventeen people. dead, fifteen injured. So unfortunate, very unfortunate. So this is a uh, coming out of Rhode Island. This state representative Bobby Nardolillo announced legislation to call for a tax on games rated M or higher, which would be only be what adults only, right? Temper a 10% tax to increase mental health. What do you mean adults only? That's above M. There's rated M and then there's adults only. That yeah. The, I mean, rated M or higher, right? Yeah. But I mean you can't. So that's it. You're that, done. Yeah. 
So the, there's a you know, 10% tax being proposed, um, and it would go towards mental health and counseling resources in schools. Um, tax would be an additional amount added to the sale of video games sold in Rhode Island with specified ratings. So <clears throat> Nardo Lilo said, there is evidence that children exposed to violent video games at a young age tend to act more aggressively than those who are not. He said in a news release, this bill would give schools the additional resources needed to help students deal with that aggression in a positive way. He said he believes the measure could be helpful in restricting access to violent video games since states cannot outright ban the sale of games to minors. Our goal is to make every school in Rhode Island a safe and calm place for students to learn by offering children resources to manage their aggression. Today, we can ensure a more peaceful tomorrow. Um, the Providence Journal reports that Nardalillo received $1,000 in 2017 from a pro-gun rights Rhode Island-based group. No shit. He's also seeking the Republican nomination for U.S. Senate against Robert Flanders. The winner will take on incumbent Democrat Sheldon Whitehouse. All right, Ian. So here's my take on it, I guess. Okay. Um, the, the There is evidence. No, no, there isn't. I mean, that's been largely proven over time. Well, there's no evidence linking violent LNX, acts themselves. Uh, violent acts themselves to, 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 um, to violent video games. I've seen some stuff about aggressive behavior. I have seen that. Right. About violent media stoking aggressive behavior, but, but not violence itself. And I think that's important to keep that in mind. Correct. Absolutely. Um, I still think this is uh, a, a an example of passing the buck on on you know uh, the, the 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 more pressing issues um such as yeah, gun control and things like that um the, the the i don't have an issue the thing is is he makes great point there's points i would love to see programs that um help children deal with aggression um and mental to, health issues and to to mental health issues and stuff like that that's all sure. great because that's really not tackled properly with teenagers okay. and i think that that would help a lot of these issues like this is all good stuff that we need to cover but you don't need to tax video games to do it you're this is looking for a scapegoat and looking for an easy way to do it how about instead of taking a thousand dollars from a pro gun lobby um you know, we use that money to go towards these sorts of things. I I just feel like that there's other ways you can get this sort of money. Well, it's always easy to try to remedy something that doesn't affect you or your campaign or something that's actually a hotbed issue. You know, going back to the 90s when they try to blame violent video games. Yeah, for we've, we've been here before. And, and, and violent lyrics and rap music. And going back to the fucking Comics Codes Authority of the 1950s. Or the Satanic Just, Panic of the 80s. At, at some point, you have to realize that media is out there. You can't restrict it. There's a First Amendment to, on, on media in general and entertainment. And you have to pinpoint something more specific than, oh, I watched something where someone shot something. Right. You know, because... Tens of millions of people consume the same exact media. Yeah, are we going to tax R-rated movies? Whether it's comic books, whether it's movies, whether it's Netflix, whether it's The Sopranos on TV, we all watch the same media. So unless a specific show came out or 
game and all of a sudden you had copycat killers because of a specific game, you cannot blame the media uh, that we are watching for our behavior because it's irresponsible. And out of there's always going to be, first of all, there's always going to be, put it bluntly, there's going to be people that are off their nut. Yeah. And anything could set someone off. So when the Commerce Code Authority kicked in in the 50s, yeah, someone took an axe and killed someone, and they found they had a bunch of those like 50s EC horror, movie, you know, horror comics. So because of that, we'll change the entire industry uh, because of that, because of one person. So and of course they try to do this after Columbine because the kids uh, used to play Doom and had you know they had custom levels and things so like okay it has to be Doom because these two kids who were bullied and didn't have proper parenting went out and and, and went went off their rocker and shot shot a bunch of, of kids at, at high school. So it's the easiest solution to a complicated problem that you can search for. And plus, it gets you in the news because we're talking about it. Right. All of a sudden, now this Nardolillo is – is uh, we're talking about this guy. We never would talk about this guy because of that. But this is not the only instance of someone talking about it. The governor of Kentucky, uh, according to a news uh, article, sidestepped calls for gun control in the wake of a school shooting because that's – why would you go towards that angle? Why would you start at the end and work backwards of a problem? We'll start at a hypothetical, yeah, you know, that you can't prove and you you don't know how to stop. So, once I have an honest conversation about violence and pointing the blame at video games and music, yes, yes, I'm I'm sure all these shooters are listening to NWA lyrics still, yeah, and, and going <laughs> off and shooting people with their AK. Um, we we need to have an honest conversation as to what should and should not be allowed in the United States. As relates to the things being put in the hands of our young people. But we have barriers, Ian, already in place for things that minors can buy. We yes. do. So, again, I think this is a, these are cop-outs. No, they're total cop-outs. They're absolutely cop-outs. And it, it, it's, it's so bad that they so badly want to avoid discussions on things that we've – been avoiding discussions universal, for so long. How about universal background checks, checks. which 90% of Americans are for, according yeah. to polling? Yeah, but, you know, we can't have that. Oh, because it's, because it's a slippery slope. This is what's funny about it. And this, uh, the, the, the hypocrisy of this being for, I'm a big, this is the Kentucky governor. I'm a big believer in the First Amendment and right to free speech. But there are certain things that are so graphic as it relates to violence and things that are so pornographic on a whole another front that we allow to pass in the guise of free speech which arguably are, but there is zero redemptive value. So could you say the same thing about the uh, Second Amendment? Amendment? Yeah, you could. You could say the same thing. But that's an I'm a label. big believer in the Second Amendment, but you know what, Ian? There are certain things that are just so wrong that relates to violence and things that are just so awful on a whole nother front that we allow to pass on the guise of uh, gun rights. Yeah. It's the same fucking statement. I mean, I see make. a lot of well-regulated militias around, but, you know. I'm not, kidding, I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to get into <laughs> the interpretation of the Second Amendment. But the point no, is, is that I like when it's an amendment that they can, okay, well, the Second Amendment, you can't touch it at all because it's a slippery slope. But First Amendment, it's, it's not a slippery slope at all. Let's just get rid of violent uh, music and, yeah, all, and games or movies because that's really the issue here. It's all picking and choosing, and so much of it has to do with pocketbooks. It's ridiculous. Absolutely. Um, so... Yeah, there's zero upside to any of this in the public domain, let alone in the minds and hands and homes of our young people. Oh, he's talking about guns? Oh, no, he's talking about uh, freedom of speech and media. Except for the fact that so many people use this as, I mean, music is such a healthy escape and a way to get aggression out. It, 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 it's, it's so healthy in so many ways that... 
that's just insane. I'm, I'm going to say is I'm not even going to make it a, a, an argument about what what we should change right now. I'm going to say if you're so afraid of touching the Second Amendment, fuck off with attacking the first. Yeah. Just fuck the hell off. You want to hold on to the second? Hold on to the first and don't attack one to make up for maybe the shortcomings of the second or, or gun laws. Yep. Don't be a fucking pussy. Governor of Kentucky. That's ridiculous. And But going back in terms of the taxes, that's not going to – I mean, that money should be – you'd hope that money would be appropriated anyway for mental health issues and helping out kids in schools. It's never going to be, though. But, I, I th- again, you get your name in the news. It's a hot topic. I'm running for Senate, and that's why you decided to talk about it. You would never talk about it before. You know it's probably not going to pass. You know, there's, there'll be so many lawsuits over something like that. Because then it's attacking, you know, anything you might think would be detrimental will, will throw a fucking tax on it. The fucking Diet Coke I just threw over there. Well, it could be something bad in there. It might be, cause me to be violent in five years if I drink too much of it. Maybe. If it happened to one person, so let's tax all of them. Diet now, Coke is now, so now delicious. Now I'm turning into libertarian right, right now. But well, I have my reasons. But. All right. So anyway, anything else to add on this? I'm, I'm really fucking annoyed. Uh, no, I mean. I'm, I'm really annoyed by this fucking governor. I, I, have a, I have a lot to add, which is why I'm going to stop. Matt Bevin. I'll fucking run against you, Matt. In Kentucky. Ridiculous. Anyway, it really annoys me going after the First Amendment when you don't want to touch anything with another one. That's oh, yeah. Like no, no. Fucking cowardly. You know, that one's, that one's fucking clad in armor not to ever be touched, yeah. but everything else. Fucking ridiculous. Anyway, so yeah, then that was actually a Q&A as well. Video games getting the blame for mass shootings. Your thoughts? My thoughts is fucking stupid. That's my thoughts. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. You, you blame blame uh, fucking uh, heavy metal in the 80s for the, those satanic rituals you heard about at the lake where you live. Like, oh, they were sacrificing a goat. Never happened. No, never, never happened. <laughs> Speaking of regulation of video games, Ian. Yeah. This is interesting, and this is something that's been long overdue. Actually, this this but I'm all for. This could almost, almost be the ESRB trying to uh, get ahead of the problem. But um, the ESRB is now going to start instituting a plan to label games. You know, games labeled for, like, violence or nudity or naughty words, what the hell else have you. They're going to start labeling in-game sales so that you know that, oh, if I'm buying this game, they're going to try to fleece me. Before I buy it, which I'm surprised <laughs> they didn't do that anyway, you know, but rated F for fleecing. <laughs> Very good. Ian. You built that comedy pyramid. Um, so if you, if you look at the letter here, it's long, but it's a response to Senator Hassan, who has concerns about loot boxes like I do. I think it's 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 a form of gambling. I think we all do targeting mostly children, but targeting people that probably shouldn't know better, to be honest. If you, don't, if you don't experience with gambling and all of a sudden it's in your video game, yeah. I don't know how you're going to respond to that. What if, what if you went to the supermarket and all of a sudden a roulette table comes out and say, oh, you can bet on that. If you, if you, if you, get, if you get, it, get red or black, you get a free Mario cereal. You're like, what if that happened in the middle of everyday life? Or I would like some gala apples. Nope, spin a wheel. Spin a wheel. <laughs> give, us, give us 25 cents. You might get an apple. You might get a syringe. <laughs> That's your, but isn't that the same thing? Video games should have nothing to do with gambling. No. Like they should have, like, the two should be uh, totally far apart. One is pure and innocent, and one you might, you know, sacrifice your your, your college's 
mutual funds. And, and I mean, if you want to play Vegas Dreams, your kid, your that's fine. But you know, that's, yeah. fa- that's fake money. I said your college's mutual fund. Your kid's college fund. God damn it, Pat, it's late. It is. But you see what I'm saying, though? Yeah. So um, I feel you. So they're going to have an in-game purchase label. Um, and Senator Maggie Hassan, Democrat from New Hampshire, which I always forget the state, unfortunately. Um, they, she called it a step forward, the plan. But she's troubled by the organization's skepticism over the potentially addictive nature of loot boxes. She says, the ASRB's actions today are a step forward in addressing consumers' concerns about in-game purchases, including loot boxes. We have senators in the U.S. now knowing what loot boxes are. This is what I was trying to avoid. Yes. Because this is where legislation will actually make sense if ESRB and the industry doesn't self-regulate. Well, Um, and it sounds like the ESRB is, while they're taking a stance on it, it's, it's soft because... Because all the money. Yeah, because of the money. ESRB is funded by the game companies. Exactly. It's, 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 like, it's, it's like the NRA. They're the NRA of this. <laughs> you know, the ESRB, when you think about it. Oh, we're so fucked. Um, we're all gross. The harmful, she says the harmful impact that loot box can have without adequate parental controls and transparency. Uh, while today's announcement of the creation of, of a new in-game purchases label and the ESRB's response to my letter are a positive step for parents and consumers, I'm still concerned by the ESRB's Skepticism regarding the potentially addictive nature of loot boxes and microtransactions in video games. I will work with all relevant straight stakeholders to continue oversight on these issues and ensure that meaningful improvements are made to increase transparency and consumer protections. Of course, these are addictive. Gambling's addictive. That's like the shithead doctors in the 80s who were skeptical over the addictive nature of opiates. Or, or, or the, you know, to the, you know, one in 10 doctors still think that uh, cigarettes don't cause lung cancer. You know, like the people that were holding on, like the ones that were funded by the big tobacco companies. Um, so the world is gross. Absolutely. It's run by money, Ian. I think we know that. By well, now. yeah, we do. It's capitalism. It is. It's capitalism. <laughs> but this is where you need regulations. And this is where you want to go against the libertarianism because you need regulation because sometimes we have to. We, we, we need protection from our, our innate inadequacies as human beings sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes humans are assholes. Yeah. And we don't look out for the best interests of each other. No, we when, don't. When it comes to money or personal gain, gain or greed. Sometimes you need uh, someone to help. You know, you know you're, being a fuck, you're being a fuck face now. Let's take a step back. Be less of a fuck face. Don't fleece five-year-olds to try to get their, your, you know, your in-game CSGO knife. Or whatever with this, with that, that's you know colored like Donkey Kong's crotch. I don't know. Let, let's stop calling school shootings false flags. Oh, that okay. That's something else. But that's but that's I hideous. mean still let's, goes, let's but that not goes, do that. But that goes back to money as well because yep. you have some maybe people of below average intelligence thinking they're smarter, believing in disgusting conspiracy theories. Just continuing on with the world being disgusting. That's all. People are disgusting at times. Mm-hmm. Not everyone out there listening. Few of you might be. I guarantee a few of you Not are. all people. I mean... <laughs> Not all Scotsmen. But uh, <laughs> I still don't know what that actually means. That are... ESRB said, based upon our research, 91% of parents indicate that they do not allow their children to make in-game purchases without permission. The ones that know about it, right? Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Just like, you know, 100% of parents don't want their children smoking, but whatever. They did admit we know there is very low awareness of loot boxes among parents. So, ninety-one percent of the parents that know about it, maybe, but it's a skewed fucking fact. If you're like a forty-five-year-old or forty-year-old, and you know you're not into video games, and you're fucking ten, fifteen-year-olds playing Call of Duty, you have any fucking clue there's a loot box in the game? 
You know what's amazing the, the to kids, me? The kids in his room playing for eight hours a day, you don't give a shit. You don't, it's your fault for not parenting well, not knowing what's in the game, but you don't know there's a fucking loot thing going on. Back when we were kids, cash was king. It amazes me how easy kids get their parents' credit card numbers today and get into trouble with that sort of shit. And people say, well, it's a parent's fault. Well, it's the same thing in, in, like anything else. It's like, well, you, you, want to lock, you don't want to put the liquor out for the kid to, to take a swig of it. You want to lock it up. With some, but there's got to be controls either way. There's got to be some sort of controls. There's got to be a fail-safe. In this case, it's a lot easier to get a credit card number, a kid can steal it even, versus getting a swig of alcohol. Well, we just live in a world where cash isn't really a thing anymore, no. and everything is transacted via card. And if a parent is going to buy something for their kid, it's not as easy as being like, okay, here's 10 bucks, go to the mall. It, I mean, that just doesn't exist anymore. There's a credit card, buy some bullshit digital assets in a game that are worth nothing in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. So anyway, anything else to add to this? Nah. <coughs> ESRB, you got to fucking do something about this. I know, I know this is the basis of the industry now, by and large. But if you don't act, like we're saying forever, the, 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 the government's going to act on it and force your hand on it and do something about it. And so. we really don't want to get to that point. No, the point is you want to prevent the government from stepping in and doing it. Because then they'll overstep their bounds, and then then you're, you're, you might be worse off or in a different direction entirely. You know, what if, what if they succeeded with, you know, getting rid of violent video games in the nineties, right? But the SRB didn't put up, you know, the ratings in the first place and establish all that. The government gets involved. I mean, all your video games might be, they'll come and take your video games and replace (laughs) them all with guns. (laughs) They'll trade in the games for guns program. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Speaking of games, Ian, here's uh, a, Here's a fun thing. There's a fun thing. It's a new game. It's a new old game. It's an old new game. It's an old game, but it's it, it's new. To, it's new to a lot of people because it's now available to emulate. So, emulate. some people may know about this. Hudson, our beloved Hudson, Honeybee, Hudson Soft was actually given the license by Nintendo to port over a number of their NES slash arcade game mostly arcade game properties, to um, some various computers uh, back in the 80s. Um, Japanese ones. Yeah, Japanese computers, like the Sharp X1 and a few others. Now, uh, a couple of the more popular games that they were able to port were like Super Mario Brothers, which was very different. Um, And then, uh, I believe, Mario Brothers, the arcade game, which was different uh, in the fact that it allowed you to like jump and turn in midair, um, which kind of became the basis for the, uh, I believe, the European Super Mario Brothers. The like, n- there was like a deluxe one that was different from the arcade game. Uh, you would know different. The Super Mario Brothers that came out that let you like turn in midair and stuff like that. The ar- you mean the arcade one? The arcade one doesn't let you do that. This one was enhanced. The cartridge one, the like later released one from original Mario Bros. arcade. Yeah. Oh yeah, the Famicom Disk System one. Okay, so it kind of it was kind of like that one. Okay, but so we have another one of their strange ports that um, hadn't ever been dumped. It was kind of hard to find. It was rare, and they uh, it was purchased for four hundred and fifteen dollars off of Yahoo Auction. That's where these are popping up. A lot of these are popping up, like a lot of these uh, Satella games, for example. I think I went over one. And you were on the podcast, like like one of the Kirby ones, these these 
they you know the the blank ones show up the blank yeah and they figure oh one of the games are on there that haven't been dumped because Nintendo's not dumping them for right. whatever reason. So this is basically a pseudo sequel to Donkey Kong Three because it couldn't handle um, necessarily the, the the same uh, the same setup that the arcade version of Donkey Kong Three <laughs> that could. extreme right complicated setup. The PCs and consoles were so far apart from each other until really. Even the late nineties, yeah, they really like. were, or even beyond that, yeah. Um, so Donkey Kong, this was Donkey Kong Three, the, the Great Counterattack, or Donkey Kong Three, Daiyakushu. And in it, you still play as Stanley, uh, the uh, the the uh, well, he was exterminator. Yeah, he was an exterminator. Yeah. And in the arcade game, you played through various greenhouses with different levels. And Donkey Kong would lower himself on two vines, and you had to stop him from lowering uh, all the way down on the vines by shooting bug spray up his ass. And uh, yeah, a little strange. Yeah, let's say this is this was the Sharp X One computer version. version. So there's multiple versions depending on what. Yeah, there's two other versions version. that they haven't found yet to uh, compare differences. To. How they don't they don't find these? Did people just threw the discs out, they were, they uh, or they were just rare? But yeah, I mean, floppy disk games from Japan probably not there the easiest things to find. NEC PC eight eight zero one and PC six six zero one. So those are the other two versions of it. So what made this different was is it got rid of the multiple levels of the greenhouse, got rid of the greenhouses entirely, um, and there's no uh, vines for Donkey Kong to lower himself down on. Uh, he floats down on two small parachutes you still have to uh stop donkey kong uh with bug spray but the backgrounds are different you kind of go on a tour of the world and then into outer space there's 20 levels and apparently the game's really really hard and uh so far there's no documentation of all 20 levels although as the article states uh written by chris kohler um my pal chris kohler um uh, you know, now that it's been emulated, it's likely that we'll start seeing all those backgrounds very soon. So this is just neat because a, it's Hudson Soft. B, it's one of those uh, instances where Nintendo licensed out their properties to someone else. Looks like you already can play it on the emulator. They already dumped it. You can oh yeah, it. no, you can. That's what I'm saying. So you, you can, yeah, you can emulate it now. There's already a video you can watch. And it's 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 very different. So, um, this is very cool. I, I would love to see the other two versions pop up and compare them. Um, and the, the Hudson ports overall were just, uh, they're, they're just very neat curiosities. There's also an article about the painstaking ripping process of getting it off the old disc. Oh, I'm sure it's well. insane. Because it's not like you, you got to find that disc drive. And I don't know how you rip it off. I, like, I have no clue how you would do that for an old system like that, that you got to find the old computer or mock something up. So it's it's not as easy as finding a disk drive and copying the file, it sounds like. No, no, it never is. You know, this is something a little more complicated than that. So, yeah, they had to mock something up. They had to get look like looks like a, um, a disk drive, and they were connected to another computer. And, Jesus, I'm, I didn't want to try to get into that. I love the aesthetic on these backgrounds, though. Oh, yeah, it's very interesting. So it's, it actually looks funny. Yeah, you can see that this is not exactly as powerful as the arcade version oh yeah even close it's jittery like four frames a second you know five frames a second for like the bugs are not flying smoothly no in the air donkey kong yes is on parachutes somehow the little parachutes are holding them i don't know how 
and you can leave the earth. I don't know. It's the backgrounds are bizarre. Like you're you're like on the. I love. There's, there's kind of like spooky. There's one with a little a little road on the side. I mean, they're they're the three dimensional. We're talking mid '80s graphics on a PC. Um, it looks like most of the assets that they could transfer over. Don Con looks like the Don Con Stanley. Kind of looks like Stanley. The bugs look like the bugs. And um, you're on the highway shooting Donkey Kong. Then you're uh, where else are you here? Yeah, you're in, you're in a. There's some weird bl- bl- blubby looking green things in the background. What the hell? <laughs> this is it's bizarre. But okay, so hopefully there's a, hopefully the other ones they can find the other versions of and see how much different they are. They're probably the same. You know, in theory, it's just different graphics for the different. Computers. I would assume. You know, the, like Apple II versus Commodore version. It's this is going to be the same game in essence, but. Right. You know, some little changes will be there. All right, check out Chris Kohler's article. Well, I'm not arguing with him about uh, grading games on Twitter. He'll he'll write a good article about it. <laughs> Lost Donkey Kong. Uh, you and Chris, man. What's wrong with Chris? Don't make fun of him. I'm not, I'm not what? more making fun of you. <laughs> Don't make fun of me. You're on my side when it comes to this debate, I thought. Uh, another week, Ian. Another awful idea from Atari. And another awful cryptocurrency. <laughs> yes, because when Paris Hilton has her own cryptocurrency and anyone else, uh, Kodak has one, but Kodak actually has a purpose from what I well, found from my friend. But Kodak hasn't even launched yet. They announced it, and then they were like, oh, we're going to delay this because things are bad for us. So Atari is uh, kind of like that old high school crush you had that fond memories of, hung out with, but now you hear just a meth whore. At this point, just a crack addict, just just going down in anyone you can in order to get some cash, get some cash get for that, that next hit, get that next hit of crocodile or because we talk about Atari watches or whatever, weird ass Atari consoles, raising money for ports of, of games that already possibly exist. Atari speaker hats. Yes. Yes. And now the Atari token. So. <laughs> All right, so Fred Chesney, CEO of Atari Game Partners, bragged to Polygon. This is a Gizmodo article. He bragged to Polygon that the company's new leadership had rescued it from the edge of bankruptcy over the last few years. We had 30 million pounds of losses, 35 million pounds of debt. Today, no more debt. We are profitable. Uh, All right, that would mean that Atari isn't quite in the desperate position that Kodak has been over the last year, but still plowing into the land of corporate-backed initial coin offerings. That's what Gizmodo says. So one of the reasons why they're probably not uh, in trouble with bankruptcy is they're selling the Atari name to anyone that wants to buy it, whether right. it's Denny's, whether it's me, whether Asteroids. it's you. They're just <laughs> whoring out the Atari naming properties wherever they want to. So, okay. And actually, they're, so they're, they're, the Atari stocks went up after they announced this, this crypto uh, By currency. By double. Because people will and will back anything that is crypto they're, at the moment. They're taking a they're taking a stake in a company that's building a blockchain based digital entertainment platform, and as part of the agreement, part of the, uh, the agreement with this investing in this company, they're going to create its own digital currency called Atari Token. The company is also expanding its online casino gaming partnership with Powerplay Limited to allow gambling with digital currencies. That sounds like a fucking awesome idea as well. Yeah. What uh, aren't they doing? There's a press release saying, just talking about blockchain. By the way, blockchain technology is for real, and that's revolutionary. Cryptocurrency, on the other hand, we'll see where that ends up. These fuckers are, are like king of shitty buzzwords that just like make me not want to have anything to do with this. Like, 
<clears throat> Blockchain technology is poised to take a very important place in our environment and to transform, if not revolutionize, the current economic ecosystem, especially in the areas of the video game industry and online transactions. Given our technological strengths with the development studios and the global reputation of the Atari brand, we have the opportunity to position ourselves attractively in this sector. What, are you going to lay sexually on a couch? Our objective is to take the strategic positions with a limited cash risk in order to optimize the assets in the Atari brand. You told me nothing. Brand, the B word. Brand, position, attractively, strategic, limited cash risk. Um, so we still don't know anything about the Atari box console at all. Um, nope. I, I didn't check into the roller coaster tycoon fundraiser. That was stupid. We talked about that. That makes no sense. Porting okay. a mobile game for, what, a million dollars? And with all these crypto coins, there's so many that are trying out to be Ponzi schemes, scams, um, trying to get, what was the one, BitConnect, which was a marketplace that ended up being literally a Ponzi scheme. It's like, oh, we're, we're going we're gonna to guarantee you a return on your investment. You can't fucking guarantee, guarantee. a return on investment unless something fucking weird is happening or something illegal. Right. Taking the new money. To give to the investors above. That's basically what happened with something like that. So, oh, God, it's so fucking, it's frustrating. They're, they're getting all these people to, to uh, they don't know any better to invest money. They shouldn't be investing into cryptocurrency. Yes, some people are making money, but when everyone's making money, someone's losing money. Yeah. When, when you're buying and selling a digital asset, there's going to be winners and losers. So people don't talk about the losers, and there's a lot of them. So, anything, anything else you need to add to this? No, I'm just really glad that you know Atari's getting into the uh, economic marketplace. That seems like a great place for them to be. They've done well with economics in the past. Yeah, they really have throughout throughout the decades. They're definitely They've been stalwarts of economic uh, positive tendencies. And all right, so that's that's funny. <laughs> it's insane. Stamps.com, Ian. I've used them for years. I've sold DVDs, wristbands, T-shirts, the odd DVD, the odd book. The they odd, are odd. They are odd. They are. <laughs> but you can get postage via Stamps.com on demand. On demand. You print real U.S. postage for any letter, any package, right from your home or office. It it's convenient. Incredibly convenient. It's incredibly convenient. It's available 24 hours a day. Seven days a week when it's convenient for you. You can even then schedule a pickup of your mail if you so desire in packages. So stamps.com will even send you a digital scale so you can weigh your letters and packages. But don't step on it yourself. It might break. Um, <laughs> and you print the exact amount of postage every time. And plus you get you get a little discount rate with your stamps.com uh, account as well. You just click print mail and you're done. It's a no-brainer. It'll save you a lot of time. You can access all the services of the post office right from your desk. You can do the insurance. You can do the delivery confirmation, et cetera, et cetera. You can, do, you can even do international mail. Oh, too, wow. If you know people cross borders, want to build bridges. And, Overnight and all uh, that, like too? You, you met someone at the Olympics Village. You know, you want to send them uh, know, some Pop-Tarts from the U.S. They don't have them in, I don't know, wherever Mongolia is. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So, <laughs> so at the CU Podcast, we're really busy. We rely on stamps.com to print out shipping labels so we can send out you know, stuff stuff to people every once in a while. Like Ian, if you do more of those uh, bird birds box, bird boxes, you can you can send them out. <laughs> but like I said, I've used them for plenty of times over the past five, well, four or five years. So 
We've got a special offer for Stamps.com for the listening audience. Includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without long-term commitments. Go to Stamps.com and click on the microphone at the top of the homepage. Well, not just you, anyone else. And type in CU Podcast for that special offer. Again, go to Stamps.com, click the mic, and enter CU Podcast. Stamps.com, helping me mail stuff because it's convenient. So, Metal Gear Survive is out. It's the uh, first Metal Gear game. Excuse me. Uh, I believe, unless there's a pachinko machine or some something like that, that uh, has been released since Kojima uh, Productions is disbanded and Ko- well, Kojima is no longer with the uh, Konami. He passed away. What? No, uh, no he's oh. he's alive and well. He's just not with that shitty studio anymore. Well, that shitty company anymore. Which is a shame. They used to be great. Um, actually, I don't know if they considered Metal Gear 5 a Kojima production. Or they scrubbed his name. They scrubbed from his it. name. From the yeah, last they game, scrubbed they? his name from it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Metal Gear Survive is a. Some people gave it fairly decent reviews. Is this an all new game or is it like a? It's a, a whole brand? new game. Okay. It's uh, basically a mine for materials survival game. You have to have water and food and fight zombies and do all that it's shit. Un- it's Uncharted. No, that's not Uncharted. Uh, not, but it's not Uncharted. <laughs> not Uncharted. The fucking game where you go explore and get mined for shit. Not Uncharted. What the fuck? I'm out of it. Not, uh, not Minecraft either. Not my, no, the other one. You're exploring the universe. No, it's not that. <laughs> Anyways, oh never mind, Pat. Um, uh, what the hell was that game called? That flop. Anyway. No Man's Sky? No, no Sky. it's not this No is Man's, Man's Sky. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway. Um, I'm loopy. Yes, you are, and I that, am too. What's been that pizza I ate before the podcast? Yes. It was, it that, was spiked. It was that bean you had. It was spiked and not your cat. Uh, <laughs> so, anyways. I, it's not so much the game. People have talked about it leading up, about how it's a cash grab, obviously. We're going to talk about more about why we're going to talk about two things. Uh, one, how the developers couldn't resist taking a shot at the company they were working for. But two, oh, yeah, I read about that. But two, uh, more importantly, is just how bad the microtransactions are in this game. So you can pay for additional, uh, like troops to help you. You can pay for additional perk slots. You can pay, basically, you can pay for all sorts of stuff to make the game easier. You can sort of do the pay for win, pay to win sort of stuff. Although. Okay. You, you say you can pay for for save slots? Is that what you just said? Not yet. Okay. I didn't say that yet. Okay. So you can pay for additional, <laughs> you can pay for additional, we'll get there. You can pay for additional perk slots. You can pay for additional oh, help yeah, a per, on this. A perk slot. Yeah. What the fuck's a perk slot? Like extra abilities. So not the abilities themselves, slots to hold, hold the, abilities. the abilities. Yes, like that would have been included with the ability, uh, right? You you can pay for slots what to the, hold more abilities. It's like okay, I'm I'm buying special ammo, but I need to buy the special ammo clip to hold the ammo <laughs> in my gun. So what the fuck? That's all pretty ridiculous. Although a lot of the reviews have said that it's not necessary. Um, but what is really bad 
is yes, Pat, you blew the reveal. Uh, although I think most people. Oh, I was would zoning know this out stuff. from when yeah. you said perk slots. I said it sounded like save slots to me. You can buy. It comes with one save slot. You can buy additional save slots for ten dollars each. Ten dollars each. Each. Ten dollars each. 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 <laughs> yes. Is Konami the scumbag song of the, the week? week? I think I think retroactively. Konami is, is the, the scumbag. scumbag. Seller. Surprisingly, the scumbag seller of the week, week is Konami. Yeah. Charging $10 that for save slots. That is insane. Yeah. That is... That should be criminal. That should be criminal. Yep. And I'm sure their excuses, excuse well, it's a survival game, so you no. can't have multiple save slots. Well, it's not realistic. Yeah, because it's not real. I'm sure that's their excuse, but like it's... Like zombies not- are and, and, and fucking carrying uh, 8,000 rounds of that... <laughs> <laughs> on your person when you're running around in 25 different weapons at one time. That's realistic. Right. So fucking idiots. It, it's absurd. And it's also a way that it, in reality, it's, you know, Monster Hunter has multiple save slots. Frank's even upset. Okay. Frank fell off. If Vani wanted to play Monster Hunter on my PlayStation Network account, she me. could. She could go in, create her own character, and play. This is... Basically, uh, opposite situation. If I were to buy Metal Gear Survive and Vani decided that she wanted to play, she'd have to pay an additional 10 bucks to create a character on my... Okay, so let me make sure. You can't earn, what are these, SV coins to get save slots? Apparently, for the first week, they've been giving some away as like a login bonus. (gasps) I, I don't think that's going to be the case after like the first two weeks. So you can earn these coins in the game? No. You can't. No, it, uh, at least reviewers have said they have found no way to earn the coins in the game other than... So the they've first... been giving them out like a fucking drug dealer giving out the first free hit. For people. like the first couple of weeks, here. supposedly, oh, they're here. giving earn some half away. Earn half a save slot. Here. You, I you, would it'll not... It'll feel good to be able to save. I would game. not count on Konami to be giving away even that many. This is insane. Yeah. This is fucking nuts. Yep. Is this, is this the peak? It, it went from... DLC being unnecessary, but you can complain about the price structure going back to like Street Fighter fucking four costumes right. stuff. Charging, like, oh. charging five bucks for four costumes. It's a fucking palette swap or whatever. That's kind of dumb, but you don't need it. Now it's going to necessary items that you couldn't dream of them charging for that you're now accepting. And this is only the matter in the matter of like five years. It's it's swung this fucking far. Pay $10 for your strong attack button to work. Or you can just go through the game using weak attacks. All I right. mean... <laughs> can I activate my right trigger button for $3? Like, it's, it doesn't function? Like, to unlock that? <laughs> uh, Is that where it's going to go to? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a possibility. Can I pause the game for, for, for $12? But apparently, Is that possible? Apparently, we're not the only people who are mad about it. Cause I there, would think not, Ian. There, there is a, a fun little... Uh, uh, Easter egg in here. So when you start the game and you put your name in, um, it shows your name being added to a list on a clipboard. And if you uh, take the first letter of each of the last names on the page, other than yours, it spells out KJP forever, which would be Kojima Productions forever. Well, that's nice. Which is pretty fun. Um, but even uh, even more underneath that. Uh, two names, uh, Bastard Yoda and Cunning Yuji, uh, 
the uh, survives director is Yoda Sumizaki, and producer is Yuji Korekado. So they're attacking the producers of the game, and both are listed as AWOL. Whoa! <laughs> and with that lead for those out there not familiar with military parlance, and uh, and then um, and then. Uh, this article says a little deeper. If you take the first letters of the last names of Iron Marlin and Dyer Gibbon, you get MG or Metal Gear. Both soldier- soldiers uh, are listed as KIA, killed in action. Okay, so... Jesus Christ, this is unbelievable. So is this a case of uh, Konami obviously biting up more than they can chew, thinking that uh, consumers will accept this level of ludicrousness and now there's going to be finally pushback because this is all. This almost seems it almost makes the Battlefront two thing seem cute. That oh, it's, it costs way too much time. It, it takes way too much time to unlock Vader and Luke Skywalker. Now though, these we're talking about in-game elements. As someone's calling me, uh, who's actually decent looking. Um, damn it, I can't answer the phone. Um, <laughs> that never happened on the podcast before. <laughs> Wow, Pat got a call from someone. I, you know, but this is how DLC progresses. It starts with something like Street Fighter Four, and we're all like, "This is ridiculous." And now, that sort of stuff is stuff that people, if they want to pay for it, they don't bat an eye anymore because it's been around for so long. Sure. So, so then new DLC comes out, and we think that's ridiculous. And like you said, it makes previous dlc look quaint and non-problematic so we just so, got through something is, as ridiculous as battlefront 2 and now major backlash where there's major backlash but now we're looking at something even more so ridiculous this is wow this is a theme it's like oh it's getting used to school shootings but so, this is dl awful dlc yeah so now we when does it become at, regular right when is this acceptable we look at something like this and enough of this happens and then all of a sudden the battlefront 2 stuff just becomes acceptable I'm not saying this is as bad as a school shooting before you come. I'm just saying no, it's just what, been a reoccurring when it starts reoccurring you should you should be you should always be angry by it at the tenth time, you shouldn't get used to it before you it. become numb to yeah, it. Yeah, it, it's, it's a whole frog slowly boiling, whatever. You slowly raise the temperature. Oh, it's okay. I'm not cooking from the inside out because it's happening slowly over a you know a period of time. So, wow, Konami, woo! I'm so glad you don't work there anymore, Pearl. I'm so glad my Pearl isn't working. You've there anymore. really been bringing up Pearl a lot lately. Have I a lot? Yeah, last podcast you brought her up like twice. Oh, well, we talked about Konami. Yeah, sure. You know, so. All right, here's to you, Konami. Make those extra uh, dimes and pennies. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that'll work out for you. Ian. Yeah. At the weird Sunday recording session of the CU podcast to go over Black Panther, which you can watch here because it's not in the audio version. It's an exclusive. We spoke about it on a momentous occasion. We did. You completing entirely. Your United States, North well, America. North America. Don't, leave, don't, don't leave out Canada. You yeah, now it's Canada as well. Your uh, North American NES collection. So go go there and watch that, and uh, we'll come back to me. Ian, do you want to talk about a momentous occasion too while we're here? All right, let's let's do it and then get my ass home. Let's let's celebrate a very special occasion. Oh, this is kind of special. So I, I started collecting 
man, it's hard to pin down when I went to Funkland and bought that NES game, uh, NES game for like 35 bucks, whatever they were selling for in 97. It was probably 97. Let's just say 20 years of collecting NES games. Mm-hmm. And there's a shelf over there, the brand new, not brand new shelf, brand new location of the games there. Now one shelf, Turbo Games aren't delegated to the bottom row anymore. They're going to get more respect in here in the future, as they should. Uh, but I have, by this point in time, I have completed my North American NES game collection. Woo! Where's the clapping? Where's the applause? I should get the Goldberg fireworks out like I had when you reappeared last <laughs> year. So, 20 years, thousands of hours wasted on eBay, at swap meets, at gaming conventions, searching for lots of monies. Don't ask me how much money. It's impossible to know how much money I spent on all of them. And that also includes getting hundreds of box games that I also have the the uh, the carts of, including all the black box games, all the silver Konami games, um, all the APOG pad original games I had in the box. You know, I, I have all the Tang and Gold games up there. You know, a lot, all the 1986 games. So yeah, it's I'll just we'll just put it all together. The, you know that my NES collecting days are in the twilight. At this point, I don't have. I'm missing a handful of the NES European games. I'll probably pick them up at some point. Those aren't that that hard to find. And I, I'm missing like eight NES manuals. So in theory, I'd like to get all the manuals. I will probably never get a Steam Events manual because it costs too much money. Then again, I said I'm never going to get Steam Events, and I got Steam Events somehow. Sell up. What? I said sell up. Son of a bitch. No. Uh, but someone asked me how I felt. Maybe someone who interviewed me for something that I can't get into right now. And the response I had when I, when I got the final two games that I needed. Empty. It wasn't empty because <laughs> that's kind of dark and and unnecessary. But it was—I wouldn't know if it was even relief. It was almost—I don't know if it was even bittersweet because I remember when we when we uh, talked about me um, completing all the licensed games. Uh, did I, remember, I mentioned to you that that was like early 2010 mm-hmm. or so? Wow, that far ago. When I completed all all the licenses of size Steam events, or basically got the NWCs at that time, early that was early yeah it was early 2010 got the the, the gray one, uh, even, no it was before early 2010. That you know it, I I think the longer you're in the game of collecting, the less impact it has on each individual, quote unquote achievement or if you want to say gain of your collection because over 20 years when it's that much ingrained with you. It's not like I got into it in a year and got all the games or in a few years. It's been so spread out that I couldn't tell you when I got most of the games uh, on the shelf or how I acquired some some very specific ones like the NWCs. I can tell you how I got them, but I can't tell you, you know, how I acquired Mermaids of Atlantis at this point. I can't tell you if it was eBay. I can't tell you it definitely wasn't a, a flea market, but I can't tell you if I got a collection, if I traded for it. So it's such a big blur that, it almost doesn't feel as significant as it should be that I completed a collection. Maybe that means at, at my age now that it doesn't mean as much anyway. Right. Maybe it doesn't, maybe it, it maybe I, I've sort of evened out the highs and lows of, of collecting, not collecting where my OCD isn't at the kick. It should be where if this was five years ago, I would have felt so much more, more relief of getting those last two games. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But then again, a I, rainbow would have sprouted yeah, from your head. But five, not six today. years ago, I was a much more bigger nut than I was now. Uh, debatable. More, uh, debatable? <laughs> no, just the biggest nut now. Thanks. But um, but that also goes to show you that I didn't rush to complete the collection. 
over all these no, years. And, and that, I could have any time. Right. Uh, but maybe I wanted... No, I remember there was a chance for you to do it um, last year. Yeah. And you passed on it. Yeah. After, after serious debate. Yeah, so... I think I don't know. It's it's uh it's it's I don't want to say it's empty because I don't want people to say oh, Pat you're you're a con or whatever which would be funny. Uh, but I don't know. It doesn't hold the significance that it might have years past for me. And maybe because also you know I I didn't get a great deal on these final few games I needed. I got a I got a pretty good deal on one, but the other ones I didn't. Uh, so I don't know where I'm going with this. But you have to save me, but maybe it's part of growing up or maturing that I don't need these games to fill that any sort of nostalgic hole in my heart. Maybe they've been filled already or maybe the, that hole naturally filled itself yeah. over time with, with other interests. Not that I've gained a huge amount of other interests in the past four or five years, but maybe my priorities have just shifted. Yeah, I think it is priority shifting. You're satisfied, you're happy, but it's not... It, it was. It's no longer... Over time, it, it's, it, 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 it went from becoming this this great goal to something that basically it it just it it it, i I would say it probably settled back into a healthy hobby territory whereas perhaps it was more i'm not not saying i'm not saying like that far but yes something more akin to an obsession well the thing that goes i mean when when i used to call you from the swap meet every sunday at like 9 30 and to tell you about the stuff i found i probably wasn't in my right mind part of those times no you weren't i I mean no no. (laughs) you can probably tell right it's like why is pat telling me he found a fucking you know sega saturn group of games or or, i mean or whatever i told you i mean it's cool but then again you don't get up like normal people. No, I don't. But, but I don't. I haven't. Normal people. <laughs> I haven't had the urge though to go out to the swap meet nearly as much as I could. I mean, I could have went this morning recording on a Sunday. I didn't go. Yeah, I went two weeks ago. But the stuff I got, I already forgot what I bought. Oh, I got a cool PlayStation controller. I got to show you. That's what I got there. Ooh. The one that you might have not seen or very rarely seen. I'll show you that PlayStation. Yeah. But other than that, though, see, so you're excited. That's why I called you at nine fifteen in the morning. But you see what I mean, though? I think I mean, I'm slowing down my old age. So I'm not done collecting entirely. I'm not saying that. But for the NES, I mean, pretty much might be calling it a day. Unless I get a Mahjong card and hold it over your head. I mean, that's pretty much it. Uh, I, I, but that's not North American. And like the same way, the PAL stuff is not HK. as big party. Yeah. Doesn't really matter as much. I'm, I mean, I, mean, I, I always you... drew the line somewhere. I always say yeah. that there's some players that don't draw the line, and I see them now selling their collections where you see like, oh, they have all the all the rare. They have all the they have some test cards, and then they have all the Hong Kong cards, and they have all the Asian. Yeah, I was going to say if you got that have... Mahjong card, I mean, then you'd be starting on an HK and, collection, and which which is easier. It's easier than getting an NES US uh, collection. Besides, of course, that game. I think there's one I need right now for twenty two thousand in the box graded or best offer i wouldn't yeah no it's not gonna go for that much but um yeah i mean i'm never gonna go for the test carts i don't care that much about them i'll probably get one at one point i have the test station which basically takes the place of the test carts for the most part but in a much bulkier unnecessary way which i want to get rid of probably eventually but that's what i mean i'm at that point i have i have the m82 and that's still my favorite piece i have all the the box stuff i almost have almost all the box console variants except for a few weird ones like with like the like i, I like there was like the uh the top loader that came with like fucking Dr. Mario that slapped a sticker on it and threw a Dr. Mario cart inside. It's like, eh, I don't really need that. And that's where I know I started to really come back to earth where it's like, no, I don't need all these NES box variants because there's sitting fucking Tupperware tubs out there. Yeah. It's just, it's like, I might pare down at some point. 
But, you know, I got a few Turbo games left, North American. I know they're not PC engineered. Um, and I need... I didn't... Why, why, why would uh, I say anything? Yeah, because you have four. And I need one Sega Master System manual. But I have all the games for the for the... Uh, the U.S. But yeah, I'm, as I as I put up the games in the in the in this uh, game room, I'm gonna see like okay, this might be necessary, this might not be necessary for like Genesis. Those are like, like I said, those are like half of my Genesis games. Right? It's not all of them in the box. So yeah, I might get to that point where I might start paring down from other systems. You know, I can always sell off all my Atari Twenty Six Hundred games to Renee because they're worth ten dollars each. Uh, you know, I have hundreds of those. So. By the way, I was going to tweet at him at, at SoCal. Someone was selling like a, I think a box of like fifty of them, for like thirty bucks. I was going to tweet at him. Hey, yeah, you make a fortune flipping these. You can go for it. Uh, he was saying the fifty-two hundred games were ten apiece. Oh, he was trying to change his tune. Huh? Was he trying to change his tune? No, he said all of them in that box were were ten dollars each in that box. You remember that? Yeah, segment? but that was that was like a that was a box of I, I'm just saying it was a box of fifty-two hundred games that he was saying were fifty-two hundred each were ten dollars each, and then he quoted a box of Atari twenty-six hundred games, the entire box at just being a ridiculously high price. Well, yeah, which came down to ten dollars each when you extrapolated back. Uh, okay, I mean, I know I, it was insane. Regardless, it was insane. Regardless, but the fifty-two hundred games are ten dollars each. We're, we're we're splitting hairs, but yeah. The whole point was that yes, yeah, you should have sent the text. <laughs> I should have, I should have done it, but um, or the the tweet. All right, so Ian, am I growing up? Am I just old and tired, or I, both? I I think I think you're growing up. I'm growing up. I think you're growing up. You think I'm gonna get rid of my NES games at some point? I think everything else might go at some point, but I think you'd probably hold on to your NES games with confidence. Why hold on to the the Cubert plush sitting up hanging out of it? <laughs> I mean, like I said, I could see most things going at some point, but not the not the NES game. Well, the thing about the I could other... I could see all your box games going. I could see. Oh, I could definitely see most of the box games going. I've said that already because yeah. I already have them all but eight. I have already as a cartridge with the manual. You know, I can see. I mean, when you look at the Master System set, it's so small, and that includes like a handful of, of European games. It's so small that it doesn't take much room. So I I couldn't see selling that. Right. Genesis games, though, the ones I don't even know what the hell they are. Like Balls uh, balls 3D or whatever I'm looking at right now. It's a fighting game. Yeah I, yeah, I know, Ian, it's a fighting game. I'll never play it. I thought you just said that ones that you didn't know what they were. Well, I mean, like, okay, ones I don't need to play or know. Like, damn it, it's so much farther away now than, than the old room. I can't, I can't see it. Okay, them. now you're yelling about collecting, which means that you're getting too worked out. I'm getting too crazy again? Yep. Okay. Bring it down. Do I need Cyber... Actually, I do need Cyberball in Genesis because the NES version is terrible. So I do need that. All right. So, so yeah, so I'm not going to put out a Craigslist lead, uh, Craigslist lead. That's another section of Craigslist. I'm not going to put out a Craigslist ad anytime soon, Ian. Is there anything from my collection you'd want to buy, potentially? In all honesty, is there anything that I have that you'd want besides my Game Boy black and white games that you're jealous of? I'm not really jealous of that many of them anymore. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, there's probably some I'd want. Um, no, not not really. There's always Genesis games I want, but I don't want to collect for the Genesis again. You don't? I no. can't. I can't. Mm-mm, no. Content with nope. Starflight. I mean, no. I do like Starflight though. I gotta. I gotta play some of it. So the next step though is going to be actually this year Super Nintendo games, getting them out and um, using them on the good old Super NT that maybe a certain NES punk's going to do a review of at some point if I can fucking get time through all this. Uh, jungle of junk and actually rearrange this room I can get to it and we can stream some stuff potentially or you can stream it you really don't want to be here well, I mean I just don't know what more to say about your collection <laughs> I don't want to I want something more metaphysical though maybe I don't know 
Want to move on to collecting other trinkets or something else? Because there's you always fulfill that need with something else. Souls. Collecting souls. Collecting souls. Yeah. Also, collecting the souls of all the people on YouTube have gone after me in the past. I guess. You want to help me with that endeavor? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe we'll do that this year. <laughs> I don't know how we'd catch them, but I mean, we could try. Oh, metaphysically, figuratively, Ian. figuratively. No, not not in person at a convention when they're afraid to talk to me because they're fucking cowards. Wow. Okay, this what? is taking a turn. Well, how so, do we go from that? From the I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, congratulations, Pat, for finishing <laughs> your collection. What the fuck? <laughs> well, I feel hollow. That didn't really do much for me. Looking back at that <laughs> when we recorded, that was a waste of time. Um, moving on into a, kind of a, a a topic that just sort of hit fresh. Fresh, 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 fresh today. Um, you get extra flavor, extra fun, extra cinnamon. Gu- no, extra. What is that? Extra sugar-free gum. Sugar-free gum. I need some gum. Extra cinnamon. Extra made good gum. Tea berry was my. Is favorite. extra still around? I don't think so. Juicy fruit's still around. Oh, juicy fruit's still around. It's gonna move you. Yeah, it's delicious stuff. It's right to you. But you can chew a whole pack in like no the taste. Time. The taste. The taste is gonna move you for ten seconds. What the fuck? This is a weird podcast. So, Ian. So, <laughs> Square Enix released Chrono Trigger on Steam today. You'd think that would be a momentous occasion for what is largely considered one of the best uh, JRPGs in history. Certainly one of the best retro JRPGs. Except for the fact that Square Enix... Um, loves to push and port their shitty mobile versions. Now, these versions ostensibly contain the same gameplay, but the issue is they just absolutely kill them graphically. Um, they run a lot of filters over them that cause the characters to look smudgy, Vaseline-like, they have thick black borders around them. Um, they uh, they filter and kind of like try to uh, upres the tiles to the point where um, it's really easy to kind of notice how the old sprites tile out instead of meshing okay. properly. Um, some graphics are totally redrawn for reasons that don't make sense. You know, instead of just being like the original sprite or slightly up-res. Let me see what this costs on my phone. It's it's fourteen ninety nine. The app does cost fourteen ninety nine. Uh, the the Steam version, oh, yeah, it's fourteen ninety nine. I, I want to compare it to to the. Oh, the, the phone, phone app. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're usually pretty damn expensive on the phone. Pretty damn expensive. I'll tell you in a second how much it costs. Um. And. The other thing is they redo the menus and they don't use like the same uh, typography. Uh, as a matter of fact, this one looks like it uses straight up Arial. Um, really? The, yeah, the <laughs> menus are different. Uh, they can't even do like an eight bit or sixteen bit font. Right. It all looks <laughs> cluttered, and you know it's one thing when you're looking at it on a phone; it still looks awful. But when you're playing a mobile game you know, a mobile port of something and you're playing it on a computer, you know, that's basically inexcusable, especially when there's other ports around. I mean, crap, you could have just released the Super Nintendo ROM officially and people would have 
been you know far happier with yeah it. unless there's some weird deal with nintendo that they couldn't do that because it was on like a virtual console but i don't see why it would why, i don't see why that would matter what yeah that's really strange yeah so you know what what started Total i think trigger is 9.99 the definitive edition on the phone yeah definitive my ass um it's a three and a half stars out of five with 185 rating what most people consider the definitive edition is the ds version which gives you tons of different options for how you want to display the graphics between the top and the bottom screens um it's really quite nice very uh pretty you can do it it's awesome on the ds version because you can have all the sprite work on the top but all the menus and the text on the bottom so that everything is uncluttered and very pretty looking up top um, so, you know, it, 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 it's excellent. Um, but everyone, I mean, one of the things everyone wonders is why Square Enix went this route with these graphics. They did it with Final Fantasy VI as well. And I would say arguably it looks even worse with Final Fantasy VI. So yeah, Square's ha- hasn't been doing a great job with, um, a lot of their 2D, you know, remasters or definitive editions of their games. And I think a lot of people were were more upset because, like I did, I, I logged on to Twitter and a lot of other people did, and they see Chrono Trigger trending. And everyone's like, oh, oh shit. HD remaster. Are we getting something real good here? On the Switch. Yeah, and then you click on it, and it's like, oh, uh, Steam got the mobile version uh, <laughs> ported. It's like the laziest thing you could have possibly done. Yeah. And, why would they charge more for it than on the, on the phone? Like, why would they charge more? Uh, I don't know, probably because it same, just came out on Steam. Same fucking game. And I guarantee you it wasn't always nine ninety nine on the phone. I would almost I would almost bet that. Final Fantasy one on the iPhone was seventeen ninety nine when it first came out. Seventeen ninety nine. Yeah. Did you have to pay for a safe slot? No. no. Like a Metal Gear <laughs> no. zombie Minecraft version of the fuck <laughs> that game is? Unbelievable. Oh man. So yeah, I mean, there's that. That just came out today. I mean, it was it was worth mentioning. Um, lots of people were upset by it. I'm sure some people will buy it regardless, just so they have another way to play Chrono Trigger. Because I haven't played it 18 times before. But with so yeah. many different ways to do it, you know, this just doesn't seem like a way to do it. And if and if you're okay with playing it like this, just get it on your phone for ten bucks. I mean, maybe that's why it didn't show up on the SNES Classic. Who knows? Uh, as much as I, you know, don't like playing games on phones, RPGs are actually among some of the easiest games to play on a phone with a digital oh, sure. D-pad. You don't need to do quick movements. You don't have to worry about that as much. Chrono Trigger is a little bit more precise, but still, it probably oh, for the, works for the team fine. attacks and stuff. Yeah, yeah, but still, you, yeah, it's not. Yeah, you're not doing a lot of fast motion still. If I remember, I haven't played Chrono Trigger in twenty years almost. Show. I got. I got to get back into a little cute little Super Frog guy. What's his name? Prince, Frog. Prince Frog. What the fuck is this? <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's fun. So um, real quick, this is something. I don't know if you want to talk about this. I just saw this happen that uh, YouTube is outlining how Logan Paul's channel will be handled going forward. Um, what, what, are they going to like look over his shoulder before he posts something up? Um, these re- Paul's rejoining YouTube's monetization program. Jesus But he's Christ. still ineligible for the Google Preferred ads, which are the premium ads. So, all right. So it's been, uh, he's been suspended from the normal ads for over two weeks. Slap on the wrist as far as I'm concerned. Um, they also put his YouTube Red series on hold. He's not on the platform's trending tab. 
Jesus Christ, he still was after the fucking suicide video? Yeah. He still was? Yes. Tra- fucking what? Um, YouTube's representative said, Paul and those on his team had reviewed the company's community guidelines and advertiser-friendly guidelines, acknowledging they understand what is allowed in the site and what is required to ensure monetization. Like, you guys didn't go over that with him that before when he's earning millions of dollars? Like, that, you let it get to that point? You know? I, th- I almost feel like you have to have a contract for these one percent of YouTubers. Like you have to like look over it. Like like if you're an athlete, right? If you sign a contract to play on a team. There's, there's like moral guidelines you have to follow, yeah. team guidelines, or else you can be, you know, held in breach of your contract. You won't get paid out. It's almost like you have to do this with YouTubers now. I mean, obviously there's terms of service, but no one reads that when they click on. It's like, oh, give me my YouTube account. No one fucking reads that with games. It's just the same thing. So I'm not really going anywhere with this. Except that he's going to be back on get, making money. So, um, the, the uh, what, oh, oh, Susan Wojcicki, as I say, the YouTube CEO, said that he didn't deserve to be banned from the platform despite his crude actions. He hasn't done anything that would cause those three strikes. We can't just be pulling people off our platform. They need to violate a policy. We need to have consistent rules. All right. So he has the one strike. The, I guess, I guess, torturing a, 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 a fish and tasering a dead rat. The fish was alive. Um, doesn't constitute another strike. Okay, if that's the way you want to play it, all right. One strike still, three strikes in your ass. Yeah, still YouTube. using the tag suicide force to get hits on his other videos. Some sort of suicide force. <sighs> it is what it is, you know. Uh, and then uh, British YouTuber KSI challenged uh, uh, Logan Paul. I think he's fighting Jake Paul. They're, they're almost interchangeable, I guess, uh, to a boxing match. That's a new thing now. YouTubers fighting each other. Oh, good. So who should, should should I fight anyone? Any YouTuber I should fight Ian? Yeah, take some a few people. So <laughs> that's all. This will this will make this will make YouTube. It's inconsequential. Blue Apron <laughs> is the leading meal kit delivery service in the U.S. While many people know what we do, many don't know about the types of meals you eat when you cook with Blue Apron. You're not just having burgers for dinner. Although sometimes you get those. Sometimes there is a burger, though. And they're good. And they're really good (laughs) when they send you burgers. But you're making a short rib burger. You're not just getting any old burger. It's a short rib burger with hoppy cheddar sauce on a pretzel bun. Yeah. Oh. I have not had that. I'm feeling hungry Seared steaks. Seared steaks and thyme pan sauce with mashed potatoes, green beans, crispy shallots, and all under 45 minutes and without a trip to the grocery store. Get all the ingredients you need. Yep. And Locally sourced a lot of times. Locally sourced. They're properly portioned out the ingredients so you're not buying a whole bottle of sauce just to make one meal you're getting everything you need there's no waste you're not buying five sticks of butter you'll never use and realize when you move maybe to a house why do i have a pound of butter still (laughs) i bought six years ago that sounds like maybe Maybe you experienced that yeah you just get the amount of sour cream you need the amount of butter so there's no waste yes And and the meal portions are perfect when i had my beef stroganoff i made i think it was it was a four Four person meal. I ate, I probably made six portions out of it, six or seven. I it. missed beef stroganoff. You did me. You didn't. You did. Uh, I said. You, I almost said you're going to beef the stroganoff. You missed the beef stroganoff. That's sad. I love beef stroganoff. There's a family meal plan. There's a wine plan. You're going to go to. You're going to go to blueapron.com/slash cu podcast. You can check out your week's menu and get thirty bucks off your first order. And uh, yeah, it's uh, we've been eating this this stuff for a while. Yeah, we have. It's yummy as hell. It's very good. Um, a lot of it is pretty healthy. Um, 
and and, and it, most of it can fit into a very and, balanced and, diet and a good variety of recipes each week. You'll you, usually there's like at least uh, one beef, a chicken. There's a, there's a vegetarian option usually. Well, that's so, yeah, yeah, that's the thing not to forget. Uh, that's important to know. Um, Blue Apron will cater to your diet. You can select all vegetarian. You can do fish. Uh, you can pick and choose between beef, chicken, lamb. You can actually check off what they're going to send you. Yep. Um, and then each you week. You can delay a week if you want. If you're going to be on vacation, doesn't matter. Yeah, you can choose exactly how many meals there you want. You can usually plan about two months in advance. And uh, if you want, they'll just send you what they think should be good every week. Um, but you can actually go, and it's not just two menu options. There's usually like four to five menu options you can pick from if you want to get that into it. Absolutely. So, again, go to blueapron.com slash podcast. Check out this week's menu and get 30 bucks off your first Blue Apron order. Blue Apron, Ian, it's a better way to cook. It's time for a Patreon Q&A session. All right. So how do, how do you get to our Patreon again, Ian? Go to CU. You go to patreon.com <laughs> slash CU podcast. I'm waiting for you to get it right one time. I did. I have. <laughs> I have. And, uh, it, yeah, it was a t- we're going we're gonna to change the cheers around. We'll announce that formally next time uh, in terms of what's going on that. But uh, here's the first question here. Here you go. Hopefully this doesn't blow your eardrums out. Okay. Hey, guys. This is Gizmo from uh, California calling in again. And uh, what was the Super Nintendo Mini you know, selling like hotcakes when it came out, and even in the in the UK and in the US, uh, what's the possibility of there being another mini console, like say uh, the Nintendo 64 or the, even the GameCube, for that matter? Uh, while I think it's a possibility for the N64, there are some hopes that I think we might see some other mini consoles, like the PlayStation One, for example. But again, that's just wishful thinking. Do you think this might be possible? Do you think that the Mini N64 will sell even better or even the same as the SNES? I hope to hear your answer and wish you a good day. And Ian? My man! <laughs> All right, I paused it before that last uh, gizmo. Okay. Um, I'm still hedging my bets on a Nintendo 64 Classic. I'm like 50 50 on it. At first, I thought there's no way it's going to happen. Just because the controllers are more expensive than a Super Nintendo and NES controller. They're a lot more complicated. You're going to have to include two or more uh, with that, potentially, depending on what games you're going to include with that. So it's a little bit more going on with the N64 because of that. There's also the the aspect of the games costing more on a, on a virtual console or aftermarket versus Nintendo and Super Nintendo, so you're cannibalizing a lot more. You're also talking about the emulation technology being a lot more, uh, not primitive, but not as clean as Super Nintendo and NES when you, when you talk about the N64. Uh, not that they can't figure that out, you know, but... If anyone could figure it out, it would be Nintendo. I mean, they already figured it out for the verse, yeah. but, see, but it, it's not quite the same because of those factors. There's also, <laughs> there's also the games. Um, you're going to be hard-pressed to find that elite list of games and get the rights for it. It's going to be a lot more difficult to do that, I think, for even 20 N64 games versus 20 Super Nintendo games. Yeah, I mean, so my take on it is similar to Pets. You're not getting the rare games. Well, that's what I was going to say. So right off the bat, a ton of the, you know, 
um, N64 games that everyone loves uh, are the rare games. And a lot of those Banjo-Kazooie's, GoldenEye's, uh, most likely the Perfect Dark, uh, those are probably all off the table. Um, two, I, I have to argue the controllers, um, at least in terms of replica controllers, they're, they're about the same price as a, a decent replica SNES controller wholesale. Um, if you wanted a really good one, maybe a little bit more expensive. But uh, it, it's largely the fact that they can still command a price for N64 games, like Pat said. I don't think that they're... I, I think they realized with NES and Super Nintendo games, they were getting to the point where they just couldn't charge as much as they were for the ROMs, which is why we will see NES and Super Nintendo games as part of the Switch online service. And that's why we saw them at what amounted to a reduced price packed in with the SNES mini and the NES mini. Um, that's if we, I think we will see an N64 mini at some point, but I don't think it's going to roll off the line next year. I don't think this is going to be this year. It's not a year after this year. Yeah. 2019, 2020, you know, I mean, we'll see it, but I I think they're going to squeeze some money out of the N64 games before that. Before that. So they were releasing the NES classes here. Super Nintendo, you can find, regu- find regularly in stores now. Yeah. So they're going to... I mean, they just... I mean, on the 3DS, they were able to do uh, Zelda Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time as $40 releases, you know, and people bought them, you sure. know, at, at, at an alarming speed. So a lot of the, those games, they could probably still do. Um, you know, people are looking forward to, uh, you know, hopefully a remake of, you know, something like Mario 64, not the DS version. And I bet you they could get at least 20 for that. So I don't think they're going to do a 64 that soon because of the value and, and to the, to, the to, value. To, yeah. And to answer his side question, like a PlayStation mini, you know, one, it would be a matter of rights, but two, a lot of the popular games like that. I mean, you look at the Crash Bandicoot games. They just sold the collection of the first three for forty. That's over ten bucks a piece. I don't think there's any sort of charm or reason to have a PlayStation One Mini. I don't think it, it, it'll exist. I well, I, I think I, there could be, but still, it would require a lot of licensing. All I'm getting those, at, plus those games are a lot bigger. Um, oh yeah. Obviously, you can, you can put it still an SD card, and there's you know what I mean. There's, sure. there's more complications for the emulation as well. For a PlayStation. No, there isn't. PlayStation emulation is the easiest thing in the world. Well, I guess the BIOS it is. Or you you need the BIOS to do it? Well, yeah, but Sony would put it on. They would do it. But but Sony would never do that. I don't think they'd ever do that. Well, the only point I'm trying to make is those games are still two people worth a lot more monetarily. People are still paying more for PlayStation and 64 games in general. I don't think you'll ever see a PlayStation Mini. I just don't. I don't know. That's not the point, though. I'm just yeah. saying, like, those games are valued higher. Okay. Thanks so much, Gizmo. Next question. Hey there, Ian. Pat, what's happening? Howdy. You can't hear me. a question that's been on my mind recently. Um, since we've had the release and success of uh, Super Mario Maker on the Wii U and 3DS, where do you think the future of side-scrolling Mario games lie? You think... Um, it's over and done with. Do you think we're going to just get more uh, new Super Mario Brothers games? Uh, do you think we're just going to get a port of Super Mario Maker on the Switch? 
or do you think we're going to get something completely new and revolutionary? Uh, I would love to hear your two thoughts on that. Um, thank you very much. Keep up the great work. I uh, love the podcast. Oh, and by the way, this is Mitch calling from Bucks County, PA. Thanks, guys. Good old Bucks County. Thanks, Mitch. So the question is, will we get a, uh, where's the future of the side-scrolling Mario games uh, going? Um, I think we absolutely will get a version of Mario Maker on the Switch. It'll sell like hotcakes. Yeah, I think we absolutely. will, too. I think that's a guarantee. I, I was actually surprised that that one wasn't announced for a port with the first wave of, of ports. Um uh, maybe next year, or uh, this year, especially with the closure of Meverse, because that was a fairly decent part of that. With uh, the comments and the the, the the comments and the 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 help bubbles you could leave and stuff like that, um, is so I think that's a shoe in. I think it was a great program. It came in. It came out as my interest in the Wii U for anything other than like Splatoon was starting to. Wayne, so I didn't use it as much as I would have liked to. So I'm very much looking forward to that. As far as 2D Mario games go, I, I think it was kind of rumored, if not said, that Mario Maker was kind of put out to satisfy people's cravings for 2D Mario games. I don't think it was ever said that they weren't ever going to do another one again. I'm sure they will, but this frees them up from having to worry about that, you know, well, you know, it's not something they always have to be thinking about on the back burner. And I think that's good because New Super Mario Brothers on the DS was pretty decent. New Super Mario Brothers 2 on the 3DS was phoned in. New Super Mario Brothers U on the Wii U was okay. But it, it seemed like they were losing their creative desire to kind of do these. So... Maybe they need a good long break from them, and yeah. I think I think Super Mario Maker is is the right answer if they want to take a break from doing 2D Mario's. Just let people have fun making their own for a while. Yeah, I, I mean they don't. You'll, you'll get a new one at some point. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's just will it be like I don't know, go back to Yoshi's Island or something? I have no idea. Like they can mine this whichever way they want to go. You can always have different playable characters you can always have different new worlds you don't have to sit stay in the mushroom kingdom that might have to go a little off the beaten track in order to get it seem fresh again but you know you know nintendo can throw you a curveball and do something like that why not i i i just think that yeah they realize that hey we just had a, a odyssey just comes out uh gets all these acclaims sells a, a billion copies we're good we're good you're good with your mario fix for a while yeah you're, you should be fine there's been a thousand mario games but you'll you'll get one at some point. I just know when, you know. But obviously, absolutely, the Mario Maker on the, on the Switch is a, is an absolute uh, no brainer. Thanks so much, Mitch from Bucks County. All right, and we'll do one more this time. All right, this is a familiar face or face, familiar voice at least, and face. Hey, it's Eric from the Retail Archaeology Channel, and the question I had was: Is I see you guys got a bunch of new fancy equipment, new mics, stuff like that. So I was curious if you guys could take a minute and talk about what that stuff is and maybe some of the other equipment and stuff that goes into making the podcast, just for some of us, some of us that are curious. Anyways, uh, thanks a lot, guys, and keep up the great work on the podcast. Why, thank you. What goes into a podcast, Ian, besides, besides angst and uh, being overly emotional? What goes in? What do we got here, Ian? What do we got? We got a laptop. 
we got a mixer which is dying, which is why you hear some little little uh, white noise here. We got a webcam, so you need a camera if you record it. Yeah, you have a computer to re- record audio wise, um, and you have microphones. What are these? These are Shure SM7Bs. These are pretty much the the standard for the industry. Like these are like the top of the line ones, but you don't have to get these. The Audio Technica ones are pretty good. Those are great. Not as good as these, but these they are, are good. Deeply sensual. These are smooth. Deeply. Yeah. I like them. But uh, yeah, that's all you need. Any sort of audio program, Audacity is free. You can record using a microphone. These are swell webcams too. What kind are these? Uh, that's the Logitech, Logitech? Uh, C922X, I believe. That's the top of the line one. Yeah. Our, so. our laptops are probably more powerful than we need for this. but For this, uh, being that we're recording the video at the same time live, probably no. I mean, these we drop some frames now and then. But if you're just doing audio, you don't need anything. You just need a. You can get a, a Blue Yeti USB mic for fifty bucks. You can get a a, a netbook for two hundred dollars, and you should be fine to record a podcast. And then you need to host it somewhere. There's various hosting platforms. The so, mixer's a Behringer. I mean, you don't need a Behringer though. If it's just like one person, uh, you can just get a USB mic, and you should be fine. We're uh, fa- we're fancy. Yeah, ass. sure. We have inputs and stuff. But Behringers, I mean, are Behringer cheap. Bears. They're 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 cheap, as you can hear. Um, I wouldn't recommend them for like DJing or audio stuff. I wouldn't recommend like their, their audio equipment for higher end stuff, but for mixing or for like, uh, podcasting or for simple stuff, I mean, they, they do what they say on the tin for the price. Um, so I, I actually would recommend them for, for lighter load work. Uh, I mean, Uh, this one lasted us for three years. We had it three and a half. We've had it since the start of the uh, the podcast. I think. No, we didn't have the very start. I thought so. Well, I mean, like five years, a ago? couple months in. Was it okay? I don't remember. It'll be five years in August. God damn! Let it take its time. All right, we'll do one more question. We'll do one more. This is a shorter one. And uh, I, and I, like, I like the person. All right. Hey Pat. Hey Ian. Professor Dan Greenberg from Winter Iron Games. Oh, hi, Dan. We hope you're enjoying the new digs at Castle Country. Absolutely. We're actually packing up for a mid-year move ourselves, and I wanted to ask. Any tips or suggestions for packing, storing, or shipping game collections safely? Thanks again for the CU podcast. Gasoline and a match. Cheers. You cut off his his, his tag. He's going getting back to writing a certain Super Nintendo guy book. Uh-huh. Thanks so much, Daniel. And that's a professional fucking message right there. 19 seconds flat. Here's my name. Promote a plug a book that's coming out. Good question. Okay. So how do you pack and ship games safely? Well, first off, don't move across the country. That could be bad. Um, this time around, I used a combination of the Sterilite containers, and they're perfect for almost any video game. You can stack NES games, label up. You can do Genesis games, label up on the side if it's in the container. And they, they stack. They say you shouldn't do more than three. I can do four you know, before the weight gets too much, and, and they're pretty safe. They sort of – you can see they sort of – you know, sort of clench into each other, clench into each other. That's not a good term. Yeah, they carry each other well. Is that better? Sure. But, but, you know, a cardboard box is fine if it's a nice, you know, for the, the, the box consoles I put in cardboard boxes. You got to find big cardboard boxes, though, but they work fine. Just don't do too, too much. They get heavy. Those big rubber Tupper, Tupper, Tupper made, rubber, rubber made, made tubs are good for box consoles. You can usually fit a decent amount in there, and those are pretty safe and sturdy. They're not going to crush. The only thing that drives me nuts about those is how they, they're they not straight on the sides. Sure. you're gonna, But then you have some wiggle room for... You, know. you can pack. Yeah, you can put like, packing material. Curve, curves on the 
on the, those tubs. Nothing wrong with that. So, well, yeah, that's that's how you move a bunch of games. The other way you move a bunch of games is don't have a bunch of games. Have less stuff. That's yep. the other other. That's, uh, that's one of the main reasons why I got rid of a large my my NES collection. Is absolutely. I didn't, I didn't want to fucking move it again. That's why you got me that Caltron manual. I'm not sure you didn't. Thanks for the question, Daniel. So, if you want to ask a question, it's patreon.com slash cu podcast and ian's gonna perhaps do some writing mm-hmm. starting this week uh and then we're gonna give you guys more more value more better gooder value for the patreon uh, yeah we are thanks so much and now we're gonna go to the official uh q a time on the cu podcast as i bring down the volume ian uh Splatoon was the first Switch game in Japan to hit 2 million sales, not including uh, digital, it sounds like. Wow. Yeah. That's from, that's from Nerd Tender. Yeah, I think that's... Uh... I'm going to wait for you to drop that volume. Okay. I think that's uh, insane. Um... In the membrane. Wait, two mil- first game to hit 2 million sales, How? What do you mean how? They sold them in stores. What do you mean? Well, Zelda has to have hit more than... How did it? I don't know. Let's look it up while you say... Okay, it, we'll, we presuppose that he's correct. Yeah, <laughs> but I feel like that's wrong. Um, however, the sales that it's... The sales that it has had um, in Japan, especially... It's first it, game, according to sources. Oh, okay. First game to hit 2 million sales in Japan. In Japan. This decade. This decade. This decade? So the past eight years? Wow. Okay. That's crazy. That's nuts. That's according to Metro uh, Gaming. That's so it's not only interesting because it's it's a unique game in and of itself in terms of how it plays. And it, it was taking some risks just based on its play style. But first-person shooters... Well, it's not a first-person shooter. But third-person shooters, that's not exactly... I mean, from what I can gather, a particularly popular type of game in Japan. And I think what carries it and it makes it so accessible, not just in Japan, but everywhere with people who would maybe not necessarily play that type of game, is the aesthetic of it, the look, the art, the cartoony style. Weird as hell. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the squid characters and, and all that, the weird... Nickelodeon mixed with anime look, the Jet Set Radio sort of almost, you know, Shibuya back in the day sort of style. Um, and I, I don't know, Nintendo hit that perfect mix Splatfest of... Splatfest probably helped, right? Splatfest probably helped too. The, Having those events. You know, the, the events and the competitions. And uh, yeah, it, it, it was just this perfect mix of unique gameplay and style that uh really just kind of hit everyone and um most not all but most people i know who who wouldn't normally consider themselves a fan of this style of game who did buy it ended up loving it so um that's crazy to me to to hear that but um the fact that it's done so well is is i guess when you think about it, not that surprising. Well, it also tells you that Nintendo's reigning supreme in Japan. Oh, yeah. Like, insanely so. Uh, yeah, back once again, you know. So, I mean, it's, it's done great here, but Nintendo really never, ever died out in Japan, you know, versus here. Yeah. It never, it never got to the low point. Even when you say, 
even when you say low point here, you still had strong 3DS sales, even when the Wii U was pretty bad. It's oh, still, yeah. Well, that's strong. what I've always said. Even at their worst console-wise, their their portables always did just fine. Yeah, I, I think it's a phenomenon. Um, I mean, I, I know Splatoon is somewhat popular here, but you think about different cultures, that maybe it hits them a little bit harder than than us. And yeah, like Ian says, it just, it just touched upon a, a combination of factors that make it the biggest Switch game which is kind of weird to think about because mm-hmm. here it's probably not in the top three or four here, right? It's probably a little down there. You, know, you, you got the yeah, I would say like Zelda, Mario Kart Deluxe, Zelda, Odyssey, would, Zelda. Yeah, maybe I, maybe fourth, maybe fourth, maybe probably fourth. I mean, there has been a huge amount of of games out, but you know. So all right, interesting. All right, this is from CJ Higgins at Blood Ocean O Seven. What do you imagine the lifespan of the Switch will be? Five years? Ten years? I think you'll be looking at easily five years. I think you're going to be looking at a combo system. This will replace the 3DS as it goes out over the next couple of years. It's already kind of headed in that direction. And I think you're going to be looking at a sort of iteration like you did with the DS. You're going to be seeing one or two upgrades during its life. I I, I think you're going to, you're going to have maybe, maybe not to the same extent of graphical differences between like the PS4 Pro versus the normal one. But I think you're going to get to the point where Nintendo is going to have to keep up with the PS5, which seems like it's going to be announced any day now, um, and whatever the new Xbox system is. And I and I think you're going to get something to sort of stay one step behind instead of two. Right. If that makes sense. So you can still extend out the generation. So you'll, you might get a, you might get a mini switch maybe. I, I still think that's, uh, a very likely thing. But you're going to get a more powerful one. Technology gets cheaper. You'll be able to crunch more power inside a handheld mm-hmm. eventually. And so maybe three, four years from now, you'll get something that comes closer to a PS4 in terms of graphical power inside a little handheld. It's not impossible. Sure. The way this stuff projects out, it's just keeping the heat at a reasonable level so you don't burn up your hands, you know, playing it. And yeah, I think due to this, I mean, when you, when you look at, the Switch, I think we're not close to knowing where it can go in terms of possibilities. That sounds cheesy, but I think it's the truth. I think it's just a matter of Nintendo deciding, okay, we have one unifying pl- unified platform that we can survive, and maybe, maybe we just slowly upgrade this. Every three years, we have a new version come out, and then you either get the new version with better graphics, or you know it's locked at... you know. 25 frames or 30 frames versus maybe handheld eventually 60 frames. I have no idea. Or, you know what I mean? Like, I think you're going to go in that direction though, where you're going to have, you know, different the same way now on the Xbox and PlayStation, you're going to have, Oh, this is kind of okay. But for the super version, you got to get the brand new one or, you know, cause they're never going to have probably in console upgrades. You're never going to be, you're not going to have your switch rumble pack. Probably. I don't see that happening. You have to buy a whole new one. Probably that's the way Nintendo. Well, it, do it. it rumbles already. I, okay, I, I remember the I mean, I mean the expansion pack. I mean, and it's for expansion. Oh, you're not gonna get that for your Switch. Yeah, it's no. too complicated to like plug in something and get more graphical power. Fair enough. I don't see that. It'd be, it'd be cute if they do that, but I I think that we're seeing we're gonna see the first. We're really gonna start to see the potential of this with the uh, with uh, what the hell is the Nintendo fucking learning thing that they're coming out with? Labo. Labo. I was, I was thinking of Evo for some reason. Uh, yeah, with Labo, I think that's going to be the first run of where can we take this? And that might – that's not going to be – I think it's going to splinter off in that direction, but that's only going to get you so far. You're still going to need a more powerful console in like three, four years. 
Yeah, I, I, I can see that. I, I think if I had to guess, I'm going to just state seven and seven years. There seven years when the last game will be made. Uh, well, somewhere around there. Um, it, 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 the Which reason, is roughly Super Nintendo. The reason I'm using that is um, the 3DS just celebrated its seven-year anniversary uh, just a few days ago. There's still a few more games uh, to come out in the U.S. for the 3DS. Um, they haven't officially announced any of them to be the last game, but, I mean, they probably will be. It'll probably, I mean, this will probably be the last year of the 3DS. So the 3DS will probably have had an eight-year lifespan. Um, with this being both a portable and a home console, I agree with you also that this will probably be one of those Nintendo consoles. I mean, they've done it with the handhelds before, but it'll probably be one of the first times Nintendo with a home console does do an upgrade with better power. I imagine we'll get one with a, a screen that goes beyond 720 um, Maybe yeah, in, in, in handheld mode. Um, but I think... I think we may see something, you know, a successor announced before, you know, before seven years, possibly, or maybe at the seven year mark. But I think they will support the Switch beyond whenever they announce something else, just like they did the 3DS, just like the think- 3DS ended up being supported for longer than I think most people thought it would. I think this is your Nintendo console, though, this format for the next 20 years. Oh I, sure. I don't think they're going to go back to This is proven to be console. this is proven to be too successful already. Yeah. This is going to be the way to distinguish themselves from the competition. Just don't fucking call the next one Switch U. Yes. They learned their they learned a tough fucking lesson Yeah. Day. Um but I think this is what you're going to have for Nintendo going forward. Don't get fucking cute with your naming conventions. Don't make a fucking maniac out of us. I think you're going to have it be the the lesser powerful but portable version and of course you might have a portable xbox or playstation down the line they might try to do it but i think nintendo hit upon something that no one thought would hit this sweet spot as well as they did well you can play you know you can play uh wolfenstein it's not gonna look as good as the console but who cares because you can play it walking around your house in your underwear yeah i mean you know? i think i mentioned or, it or here pants. or i've at least mentioned it to friends for all the talk about versatility, I don't think anyone really cared about it or realized what a game changer that would be until people had it in their hands and had a month to use it and realize how cool that versatility was. They warned us, all those hipster uh, rooftop parties, uh, yeah. uh, they, they warned us. They, 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 they knew that, and that's how people are using it, uh, kind of. All right. Uh, any <laughs> this is from at Keeping Up Gaming. Any tips, Ian, for just starting out a podcast? Find someone you like just enough. And when that can't happen here, what what do we do? How do we do it? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I think with 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 uh, I I think I don't know. We did this by accident. No, it was it was planned. Well, it was, but I mean, we got this far by accident. I wouldn't call it accident. Ian. There's some hard work that got put I, I know there is, but I, I mean, I we. Exception to that, I, I, I don't mean it like that. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, like, ours worked because it worked. I, we have good chemistry, and I think the chemistry it, 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 is the biggest is the biggest factor. And you don't well, really know if you have 
that good of a chemistry with a co-host necessarily until you've done a few of them. Yeah, I, I think, well, we have very peculiar personalities in general. Sure. Separate. Yes. I think when you put our personalities together, it's a strange cocktail of, of, of a little bit of weirdness, a little bit of, of, of absurdity at times, mm-hmm. but it's, you, can't, you can't replicate a dynamic. Uh, that dynamics are always different. So you and your friend have a dynamic that's unique to yours, and it can be good. It also cannot be good enough to do a podcast. Just because you have a friend or someone that you can converse with about a topic that you agree on, and, and usually agreement's not good for a podcast necessarily when you come at things the same way. When you agree on something, you usually come, back, come out at even a different angle in order to make it interesting. But you have to be able to make something interesting, which I'm failing to right now on this topic. <laughs> but, but but my my advice we're just starting out is this it has to be fun to you you can't force it you got to talk about things you want to talk about whatever if it's if it's uh music uh which to me is the worst thing to talk about in a podcast just because you, it's harder to break away to the example it's harder to describe songs as you would describe a video game or a movie or a tv show it's a lot more difficult this is my opinion i think it is um then again what the fuck do i know uh but be consistent if you're doing a podcast as much as you – it's tough. Consistency when you're doing it, not just for any potential audience, but for yourself to be disciplined enough to do it. If you do something and you're going to uh, pick a time, stick to it, and that's your time to do it, whether it's every Saturday, you know, every Tuesday, whatever. I also just... feel like consistency among topics is important. I feel like uh, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there that you know people starting out uh, and they – they use their first, you know, five episodes or something like that to try to something's something squeaky. Oh. Uh, they use like their first five topic or um, episodes or something to try to figure out what topics they want to land on, and you really should nail that down first because you'll lose people if you know they think you're talking about. Are you a video game podcast? Then, okay, no, now it's a wrestling podcast. Okay, now it's a movie podcast. If those are the things you want to cover, then try to hit on each of those every episode instead of jumping around because you'll never find a fan base. Sure. But then, yeah, I think there's two ways to do it. You can establish a theme of people like, like there's, there's specific podcasts just for one game. So it's a destiny podcast. Sure. My, my pal Destin does a Destiny podcast, which I never get over Destin Destiny at IGN. So you know people that like Destiny are going to tune in for that no matter what. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like yeah. whether you do a broad range of topics like we do or you but, focus in on one, just try to make sure that that's what you're doing from the start. Sure. So you either have a consistent topic. It's a wrestling topic. It's always wrestling. Otherwise, it helps to have a, a – some sort of following. Fortunately, before the podcast started, I was on YouTube for like five years, so that helped. Right. There was something that, okay, people knew me. They can try to listen. So I wasn't totally starting from scratch. So so that's not actually advice to how you start out, but be consistent. Have fun. Don't force things. And d- let, you know, when a, when a, when a uh, topic is petering out, like right now, you, you, you let it die. You let it, you kick it to the curb when you move on. You move on. Okay. And our last one, Ian asks. God damn it! At this is from Steve Kennedy at Steve Trex forty two. Collectors thinking museums will want their games. 
Are they? Uh, I <laughs> we we debated answering this one because you thought it was like a straw man. I think I just don't. I don't know. Of... I think there's some collectors that actually believe that that okay. their a museum will want their specific collection. And when we talk about museums, the most the one that was going for like everything is like the museum. Uh, the straw museum, right? Right. They want like like one of everything like, for the most part. This is to have a copy of it, which I guess is a noble instinct or ambition to have a like Library of Congress to have you know one of every book potentially, or they choose movies every year that get put into the vault in case there's a nuclear fallout or explosion. I think the difference with with video game media is that due to emulation and ROMs and the storage capacities. I think the physical aspect of the actual games themselves over the generations will become less and less. So if a museum is going to put it on a display piece, say, 100 years from now on the NES, they won't need 750 games. They'll need 5 or 10 or 20 and have them out on a display. This is how people play games in the late 80s and show that. And people walking around in their little visors with their chip implants, uh, they'll be able to be like, oh, that's how... People, before they destroy themselves because they didn't care about the environment, that's how they play video games with their ugly gray cartridges. But they won't need to have a uh, copy of uh, Chubby Cherub laying around 200 years from now, necessarily. Need to? No. But... Could, they, could they? Sure. No one's going to want to look at that. Like, it's it's almost like do you need to, Like, when you think about the history of media, going back, when you think about... Okay, people are going to... Is someone going to need every single fucking record that ever existed in a museum eventually? Is that going to be a need to have that? No. Versus just having those recordings somewhere down for we can listen to. Go and right. listen to them. Oh, you know, I, 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 I'm really looking at a future where you're going to have, like, uh, you walk into a video game museum and you're going to have displays out. And maybe you'll have a catalog and you can just say, oh, I want to play a Sega Master System game. And you bring up all the menu of the games and you play it. And that'll be good enough. And you'll have a display of the Master System games. I can be totally wrong, but just based upon a curated, when you think about curation of museum displays, it's almost never every single one of something. It's a sure. particular set of something no, that's, that's a good example of the time period. And this is what it was. No, that's a good point. You know, that's, that's, in my opinion, what it's going to be. Plus... I mean, how many museums are going to exist to want to have complete collections of something versus just having some pieces of it? You know, are we going to have are we going to have a, a museum of natural history? You, know, you have a museum of natural history almost in every major city, most of them, a decent amount. Are you going to have a museum of video games in every major city? I don't know. Maybe eventually, or maybe it'll just be like a general entertainment museum of the you know. 20th century entertainment or you know what i mean like i don't know i could see one video game museum going for you know a full of everything as archival but yeah i mean if you have multiple video game museums i i, I totally see it being um you know your way a display maybe an original system you can play on for kicks yeah and put it behind a, an acrylic case so you have the controllers that'll be yeah. all greased up by then and Cheetoed, or we'll figure out the Cheeto slime in the year 2087. We'll figure out <laughs> Cheetos, Cheetos with no residue. That'll be the biggest thing. Yeah. In, in the next 30 years when we're dying, that'll be like, oh, we figured it out. We didn't cure cancer. We have Cheetos now without <laughs> orangey fingertips. There's no way they'd taste nearly as good. You don't think so? No. With that residue? The, no. the cheese just clings to that 
che- what's the Cheeto uh, form called? What is that uh, called? That little crusty stick thing. What is it? What is it? Is crunchy. There... It's just a crunchy. It's a crunchy. Is that what it's called? What the fuck was I talking about? This is a bizarre podcast. We're done. Castle Country's produced some strange podcasts, but I like them. They're yeah, kind of, they're kind of like a weird energy here. Mm-hmm. You feel that weird energy? I do. I'm serious. I do. It's because Donkey Kong's been staring at me the whole time uh, behind you. But this has been a this has been an interesting uh, CU podcast for sure. Uh, oh, anyway, yeah, but no, but collectors thinking museums want their games. They want like two percent of their games. You know, they're they're going to trash their Atari Lynx games and NGPC. <laughs> Uh, games. No, they won't. <laughs> Evil have the Neo Geo Pocket Colored Museum. Yes. They'll charge admission uh, to that. It'll be his living room. Just walk in, you see a little display case of all the games. <laughs> you can play for five minutes, and then, then your Cheeto-stained fingers will slap the, the the Platinum Edition console away, or fucking they have a Platinum one. I don't know what the, where I'm going with this. I don't know where I'm going. So, Ian, this was a CU podcast. For Patrick Confrey. Um, oh, no, we're not done exactly yet. Uh, you got to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, you know, wherever you listen to us. Or on YouTube. We've got a Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast. If you want to advertise with us, with us uh, you can get in touch with one of us on, on Twitter or email, or uh, you can email podcast at thepunkeffect.com. Reach out. Reach out and touch and us. And I will reach back. And I'm not sure what that motion is here. It's like Me, it's, it's reaching back. It's that so I got to drop Ian off because uh, he doesn't want to lift home from here. Plus, I got to pick up some uh, fast food on the way home. And I got to call back someone who called me during the podcast. That's only ever happened like that. And before. you got to get a, a pop-up table out of my apartment. Oh, okay. It's not a pop-up table. It's a... it's a Card table. Card table. That pop-up. pops up. It's a pop-up. Well, it's a folding table. It's a folding table, Ian. It doesn't like... Ma- it's like a book. You open it up and it, it comes to life. <sighs> All right, Ian. Get the hell out of my place. We're done. No, I, I mean... Well, Ian, by the way, Ian walked into my place with that, like... I knocked, and I thought I heard you say come no. in, but it turns out it was Shane McMahon. It was Shane McMahon or Daniel Bryan on the TV. <laughs> All right, see you later.